to the Talk Nuffle podcast. I am joined today by Phil Guns, or King Ghidra, as some of you know him. Hello, Phil. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. And the beautiful sunshine of this lockdown era that we're in. Today, Phil, um, I've got you on especially to do our very first Talk Nuffle race review. I haven't come up with any kind of clever title or day for these as I usually do. It is literally just a race review because I feel like in Talk Nuffle we've done a lot of um, bullshit random rambling for a long time and um, I quite like to do some in-depth tactical discussion about specific races uh, on the Talk Nuffle podcast. So the first one we decide to do hilariously for myself is a fucking elf team. (laughs) Because you're the bastard who wanted to talk to them. Which team are we going to talk about today, Phil? We're going to talk about Dark Elves, Tom. They're the worst of the elf teams, basically, is the, what you're saying. The, the gamiest, <laughs> most cheatingest of the Dark Elves. The ones that have got it all. They've got everything. Uh, no literally, literally everything are their weaknesses. Yeah. So, that, I mean, it should be pretty... Basically, we could just do the podcast now. What we, you know, 30 seconds... Uh, one minute and 20 seconds in. Dark Elves, cheat and win at Blood Bowl. Uh, done. Would you, would you agree? Yeah. Easy mode. Uh, you can't build them badly. Doesn't actually matter what decisions you make. You're guaranteed to succeed. <laughs> so, if I were to tell you that... I recently played on the DBL Fumble League with a Dark Elf team. The very first time that I've ever taken Dark Elves, and I had three Agility 5 Elves and a Strengthful Witch, and somehow managed to lose against Bretonians. Not even a particularly great Bretonian team. Would you say that I was shit? Um, I will let the listeners decide on that one. Based on the discussion we just had, they can form their own conclusions on that one. Excellent. Well, that's a that's a a, a roaring start to the podcast, I say. Do, do you know what, um, Tom? I'll, I'll say something now because what you have actually highlighted is is you know there is a pitfall there. If you have a lot of um, startups and you don't have skills, that that's like that is a pitfall of team development. So maybe that's something that we uh, we might touch on later when we talk about that aspect of play. That's a good call. And and actually, I kind of tried to play Dark Elves more as a throwing passing team because I had the Edge 5, which is not what they are. So we'll, we'll, we'll go into that. I mean, they can actually do that, but we'll go into that. Uh, so the way we're going to break this podcast down, listeners, we're going to do three segments. And um, because as, as ever on a Talking Off a Podcast, I've been drinking heavily, I'm going to need a piss break in between each of those three segments. So that's why I split it up as such. Uh, the very the first segment, we're going to talk about the general Dark Elf roster, what you can get in it, including the star players. And um, for the listeners, we have had a little look, and the Spike Mag is pretty close to the fumble um, list. So yeah, Phil is holding his Spike Mag up to me. We've both got it on us, so that's excellent. Because usually Phil and I, the other Phil, as in the more beautiful Phil, <laughs> younger Phil, shall we say, uh, <laughs> we, we usually don't have the Spike Mag uh, here and Phil has to go and run away and get it whilst we're recording. So it's good that we both have it for this section. Uh, yeah. um, so this we're going to run through the roster thing. and the stars, including Jeremiah Cool, which is one of my faves. Then we're going to look at uh, league play and how you would build a team for the leagues and then how you would play out a league. And we'll look at both um, normal leagues and as I spoke to Gritter recently, it becomes a bit different when you go into perpetual leagues. We'll touch quickly on perpetual long-running leagues and how the Dark Elves um, go into that. And then we'll look at yeah. tournament play. And um, and actually, Dark Elves are the elf team I would take to tournaments. So I'm, I'm pretty keen to hear what you you have to say about that. 
So, so without any further aplomb, Phil, let's run straight in to the team roster of the Dark Elves. So first up, 0 to 16 linemen. Should it say line elves, Phil? I mean, the state for GW straight off the bat, I'd say. But uh, yeah, linemen. Gender, gender neutral, our linos, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. 70k. Uh, then movement 6, uh, which is average for elves, as we'll compare them to the other elf teams in a minute. Uh, strength 3, which all the elf linemen are. Agility 4, obviously, for an elf. And then AV8, which is the upper end of the, of the elf skills, which is great. And no skills. And they have general and agility access, which is what all the elves have. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all. I think so they're in comparison exactly the to the other lion elves, we've got uh, the wood elf linemen, which are a bit faster. Movement seven. Yeah, less armor. But lower, lower armor. So armor seven. And then we've got the high elf linemen, which they are identical to, which is interesting because we might do yeah. a little bit of comparison to the high elves over this because it's quite yeah, a good comparison in the dark elves. Yeah. And then they're a bit better than the union line elves and that the Union only have armor 7, but they're a bit cheaper. They're at 60k. So these are pretty much your bog-standard elf linemen, relatively affordable, quite effective for what they do. Um, I think that underlines it, doesn't it, Phil? Yeah, there's not a lot to say about them, um, but I think they are arguably the best. And, and the fact that they've got AVA is the, is the big thing here, and it determines to a greater degree how Dark Elves play their game um, in concert with their positionals, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the fact that they have resilient uh, mobile uh, agility mobile alignment um, is is pretty much the defining characteristic of the Dark Elf team as a whole, I would say. It's that, it's that combination of resilience and AG4 that makes them so powerful. No, I'd agree with that. And actually, the movement six, in a way, pigeonholes you into the running game. If they had movement seven, you'd be tempted to try and do more running around, wouldn't you? But the movement six with the armor eight is like, right, I'm going to have to run these guys. I'm not going to quite be able to move around the lines. And it really pigeonholes you into that running game, which the Dark Elves are so famous for. Yeah, totally agree. Cool. So the next positional is the sort of Dark Elf passes, but they're not passes. They're called runners, and you can get mm -hmm. two of these. Um, 80k. Uh, and these do really split opinion. I'll go through the... I'll go through the, the um, what they have first, the roster, but then we'll talk about them. I quite like them. But they're movement seven, so they're a bit quicker than linemen. Strength three, which all L all of the Dark Elf team are. Still agility four, as you'd expect. Uh, and the, but they're armor seven. They're a bit easier to kill, but they got dump off. And then it, looking at their skill selection um, abilities, they've got gap, so general agility, and then passing as well. So, But again, they don't really use the passing. So that I think that's one of the things that... I would say sort of prohibits them a little bit compared to the other parts. They're not built for passing, they're more built for running, hence the runners. Yes, uh, so uh, two, three things I'm gonna say about runners. Firstly is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the kind of the other camp to you. I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, would often not take them in, in starting lineups, which we'll, we'll cover later on. Um, second thing being is I'm old enough to remember when Dark Elves had proper throwers and proper catchers. So it, <laughs> it, 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 um, it always makes me a little bit sad that they've got this kind of runnery dude now. But again, as we were just saying, this is very much in line with how Dark Elves are supposed to play a bit differently to the other elves. So it is, it's a good fit for the way that Dark Elf team would be. Uh, the other one, as you said about they don't use passing, well, they definitely do because they might want to take leader on a runner. And that's one of the... Um, 
definitely one of the build options, particularly if you're looking at resurrection tawny teams again, which we'll, which we'll come on to later. But that is almost certainly the number one use for normal passing access uh, on a runner. Um, I mean, the, the upside for them really is movement seven. Um, you know, it means that they are a viable ball carrier app for low TV um, Dark Elf teams. Um, I'm not really into dump off shenanigans. I know some people think um, it's it's uh, quite good. Um, it's not my favourite skill. I think it's I think it's a bit gimmicky. It's not very reliable. Um, but you definitely can get some mileage out of it with nerves of steel and things like that. So um, Edge five, for example, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're bad. I just think uh, as we come on to some of the other positionals, you might want someone else to do the job that the runner. Um, is designed to do. Yeah, and we'll we'll go. So the very next one coming up is assassins who wish they had <laughs> seven, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, yeah. well, what I'd say about the runners is they open up the suboptimal but still good version of the dark elves, which is you can still do more of a spreading passing game. So you can move yeah. if you take your two runners and the witch elves, which are also move seven. We'll go into a minute. You can spread the game more with your blitzers, and you can be a faster elf team. But it's just not what the Dark Elves are really good at. And the runners are pigeonholing you into that with the fact they don't have passing skills like off the bat, like the other elf teams like Dark Elves have got pass, have got Shaw, um sorry, the the high elf thrower has got um safe throw. So they're yeah. literally built for passing. And all the other elf throwers have pass. So that's kind of suggesting to you, even as like a rookie um Dark Elf player who people listen to will be oh, I'm going to pass. But actually, the runner is literally telling you, even as a rookie Dark Elf player, probably want to run the ball here because I've got my linemen. We talked about them. Slower, got good armor. They're going to protect that runner. And the runner's got dump off and is going to run in the middle of that pack. That's kind of what it's pigeonholing you to. But he may not be your best ball carrier, as we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah. Agree? Yes, absolutely. Good. So the next uh, positional, again, um, I don't think it even splits opinion. The next positional, the assassin, um, is a gimmick. Um, I quite like him. I think he's quite fun. He's 90k, so he's twice, he's 20k more than your lineman. Uh, same movement, same strength, same agility, minus an armor, which is fine. That's what you expect from an assassin. I just wish he was movement seven. I think he'd, I think if he was movement seven, he'd be like, cool, I'll take him. He's going to be a bit of fun to move around. He does have shadowing and stab. And I think that's probably why they haven't given the movement seven, because movement seven with shadowing would be horrendement um, on like an elf. I think it would be a well, not horrendement, but it would be quite strong on an already strong team. So, in a way, the assassin and, and jump in in a minute, but I'm I'm just going to finish what I have to say about it. In a way, the assassin is kind of a victim of how good the Dark Elves are, because if yeah. the next positionals were a bit shitter, then they'd be like, okay, we'll give him movement seven. He'd be cool. But, but as it is, he's a bit restricted by that movement six. He should, I think he should be movement seven, um, shadowing stab, and he's just a little bit, because the other next positionals that we're going to talk to, the heroes are so good. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I think if he had MA7, he would be a piece that you could take and be a bit more confident about a future development path. You know, one or two extra skills, he could be a, a blodger or however you want to develop him. It would potentially open up different options for how you could use your assassin. Um, I think, as you say, with MA6, it makes him a bit more limited. Also means he's cheaper, of course. I mean, um, the other problem would be that he would probably cost more 
you know, and they've already got expensive positionals elsewhere. But it, it is a problem that basically they have an embarrassment of riches in terms of their positionals. The assassin is not as good as the other ones. Um, I'm, I am actually also a fan of it. Um, I think if they're used correctly, they can be really powerful against certain teams. Obviously, very good against stunties or anything with AD7. And there is a lot of AD7 about in Blood Bowl. Um, but their own vulnerability um, means that they are an expensive piece that needs to base of opposition players to be effective and facing opposition players when you've got 87 and no dodge or anything is not the strongest tactic in bubble so they, they suffer for a number of different reasons but i i am also um a fan i think they're just overshadowed by the rest of the dark elf positionals yeah i think so and they have general and, and agility like all the elves apart from the runners i mean interestingly i agree i mean i'm looking at this roster now they've got four positionals on top of the linemen I think you could remove runners and take away, so effect, well actually no, remove assassins and give runners stab and call them assassins pretty much. Be like, cool, we've got assassins who are the runners, throwers, run, you know, of the Dark Elves. And it's almost like they've got extra positionals that are not really required because you just, there's no way you can take them in starting bills. And if you're gonna, no. it's just one of those things where you're like, I've got so much stuff. And then, and as we'll go into in the perpetual leagues, cool, I'll get an assassin, absolutely, for those, you know, blodging ghouls and blodging kinks and stuff. Great. I mean, that's a really cool little thing to have, but you're yeah. just not going to consider it for a tournament or an or a starting build. It's not required, is it? No, totally. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's move on to those gold standard positions. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, one of the most bullshit things of the dark elf roster and you know i'm gonna i mean i'm actually considering taking dark elves now for the next year because the dblers find it so funny that i hate elves and i think i think i could do some real damage with them but one of the most bullshit things of the dark elf roster is the four blitzers yeah. it is obscene so they're they are literally the same as the high elf blitzers as in they are yeah. move seven they're 100k so they're, they're yeah. expensive but but you get what you pay for they move seven so the same as a human blitzer their strength three, their agility four, so that's better, a lot better than a human blitzer. And they've still got that armor eight and the starting block and general yeah. agility access, different to the human blitzer who've got the strength. So none of the dark elves have strength access, which is great because otherwise they would be super OP. But th but just being able to get four is redonkulous. Like dark yes. elves should have two blitzers straight up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, like. That is the key thing, and and when we look at starting builds later, um, you know the the tendency is for people to try and find ways of bringing witch elves into uh, things. But as you just said, there four blitzers, as good as these guys are with block, um, that is just giving you amazing, amazing consistent, um, fundamental solid blood bowl uh, capabilities for the dark elves. They don't need any of the gimmicky stuff because just having four players like that that can basically do anything and do it fairly safely um, is so powerful on its own. Um, so it's all about the blitzers. Um, they are one of the best positionals in Blood Bowl, period. Yeah, uh, I would 100% agree on that. But what it really brings is, because in league play, like, I quite often would say, look, let's start with a witch because you, cause she's so good when she gets skilled up. So it's like, let's bring her because three is fine. And we'll talk about the bills later, but three is fine. Yeah. 
because high elves can only take two. Ha ha! Let's laugh at those high elves. Uh, but we'll get Rory on later to talk about high elves, and he will probably <laughs> bitch about the fact that he can only get two. But like three's fine, and you'll skill the witch up. But what's key? Because you can take four. When you go to tournament where they're dicks and they reduce your ability to take skills, you can still at one point one take your four blitzers and they're still fucking bent. You know, it's like that's that's the problem. The thing about rosters is that you can often hammer them down in tournament builds by restricting the skills they can take. But the four block movement seven dudes straight out of the you know, straight out of the gate is just is just awesome. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's actually it's interesting that you made the comparison of human blitzers there. I, the the one thing which um, dark elves lack, as you said, there is the strength access. It is a weakness, um, and it's a problem for them um, because they just find it so difficult to get guard. Um, and and again, we'll come back to this in tournament play. But you know, you don't get doubles thrown at you when you're a tier one team. So. Um, Guard lack of guard is one of the main problems for dark elves. Um, that is obviously a problem that when you start playing in leagues and particularly perpetual leagues, you just wait for the yeah. passage of time <laughs> to give you those I mean, nice on doubles. These, on these dudes, you know. would you take? I mean, it's an interesting. It's an interesting point. Would you take mighty blow or guard first out of the bat if you if you were just playing just a normal league and you rolled a double? Would you take mighty blow or guard? Um. Probably guard, yeah. I, I I mean, you can play Dark Elves as quite a bashy team, and their natural inclination, as we've already said, is to play a kind of loose, rolling, cage style um, that's naturally going to lead you into basing people and throwing lots of blocks, and they can do that safely because they've got lots of blockers. Um, but... I would personally take guard over Mighty Blow. I think it's almost a 50-50. I don't think you can make a wrong decision there if you get blessed with a double. Um, but I think they just cry, you know, guard can just really tip the balance. Um, and you, particularly in uh, rolling leagues, perpetual leagues, you can get into a bit of an arms race where other teams have easy access to guard. And if you fall behind on that, um, you can get into some nasty situations versus teams like um, dwarves, uh, where you um, you just can't manufacture two D blocks. So uh, I, I would take guard because it it keeps you in that race. Damage is awesome, um, but I suspect that it um, dark elves already beat the teams that they can damage. Um, so I, I see guard as being more of like a controlly position helping um, skill, and I think that's better for dark elves than than just damage. But, I, so but I would, it's such a close decision. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it's great that you and I are on this podcast together, then, because I would disagree. Um, and again, it's fifty fifty, like, and I and I think that we're both on like just like you know tony blair on the on the sort of slightly far side of left center or whatever uh, but you know we won't go into that it's it's that kind of situation where um it's so close but for me with the dark elves as well the damage of being able to do a mighty blow blitz every single turn and rem and, and again dwarves are so it's difficult because it, you look at your league structure and mm, you've got to play against yeah, yeah. if you don't have any dwarves at all or you know, and, and not many orcs, and it suddenly yeah. becomes a bit easier. I would, I would suggest to you. Totally. But that totally. damage, I mean, against majority armor eight team, 
of the mighty blow blitz every single turn. Once you're up a player with Dark Elves, you're going to fucking steamroll them, even without guard. So for me, I'm like, the first double, get that mighty blow, because I've got that blitzer in the backfield to then hit them. But, you know, um, and that's where we slightly differ, which is great that we've got both of us on this podcast. Um, but also, maybe mighty blow will go to your next player, which we're going to talk about in a little uh, right now, which are the Witch Elves, who yeah. are one of my, uh, are the reason I would play Dark Elves, because I think they're fucking cool. They're, they're just, they're such a fluffy Warhammer player as well as being awesome. That's what I would say about them. And Phil's nodding vigorously with me here. <laughs> so you can get two of these babies. You can't get four. That would be obscene. Uh, you get two of these. They're 110. So they're 10k more than the Blitzer. Uh, their movement seven. So they're the same movement. They're super quick. Strength three, agility four, as you would expect. Uh, their armor seven. So a bit squishier. But then the skills. They come with dodge, which is awesome on a signed Dark Elf team. You don't need to use that reroll on one dodge a turn, which is awesome. Amazing. Frenzy, Amazing. which is unbelievably good. It, it just forces your opponent to play in uh, ways they wouldn't normally play. And then the jump up, which people forget. And jump up on a movement seven piece is really, really good. Uh, they come with uh, your general agility access as normal. And um, yeah, I mean, underline, great player, just not as good as the blitzers out of the pad, <laughs> is what I would say. But not far off. I mean, I, I would say that Witch Elves are also in that conversation in terms of, you know, best positionals in, in Blood Bowl. And the fact that, you know, we're covering two of those on on one race says all you need to know about where Dark Elves are at. You know, um, they're so good out of the box for the reasons that you've just outlined. They get immeasurably better with one or two skills. Um, and they're just that they can be developed in so many interesting ways and they can be used for so many purposes uh, on the pitch, just like the uh, blitzers can. They can, they can be your, um, they can be your blitzers, uh, you know, to, to make those crowd serves. It's like that, six blitzers, yeah. isn't it? Really? Yeah, it kind of, that's, that's why the Dark Elves are such an aggressive elf race. They've effectively got six blitzing players, ultimately two without block, but there are other blitzers without block. Yeah, and they're all extremely mobile, as, as you, you know. You pointed out the dodge there. You know, dodge does double GT for AG4 teams. It's a defensive skill, but it's a skill that allows them to position and get where they want as well. Um, and on a piece that's got frenzy, as you said, it forces your opponent to play um, constantly accounting for this mobile surf potential machine. Um, when they get some skills, I mean, I'm personally a huge fan of wrestle on. Uh, which else you mentioned jump up that's probably one of the best synergies that you can get it's absolutely ridiculous to have a piece yep. that can wrestle something down and then move seven the very next turn i mean that's just absurd um you know th there's just there's so many development options which we'll we'll, co we'll come on to i'm sure later but they they're just brilliant and they can ball carry you've got an ma7 dodger so we're talking about one of the reasons why you might not want to take a runner earlier you've got an ma7 dodge ball carry if you've got a witch elf um, that's incredible. Millions of teams are crying out for something like that, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, they're just, they're just yeah. amazing. They're just amazing. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, in fairness, they are expensive, um, and this is something that we'll we'll come back to later when trying to talk about team builds. All of these guys are expensive, but they're justifiably expensive because they're brilliant. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Even in my starting build, I wouldn't take a runner because witch elves are so cool. 
Um, and they're the rule of cool. It's like it's one of those things with dark elves. It's like they're so fucking good that realistically, I would probably take the four blitzers because they're your solid block. You know, Joe Manji style of like I'm gonna play the averages and all that kind of. Ugh. But witch elves are just fucking cool. It's like yeah. I can dodge everywhere. I can frenzy you off the pitch. I can jump up. I can do all this shit there. And and the thing is, their starting skills are nowhere near as good as a war dancer, who are the kings of blood bowl. But they are your ultimate fouling target as well. It's like mm. people say when they're, when they're talking about, oh yeah, I definitely foul that if they're down. It's witch elves and war dancers, and witch elves aren't even that good out of the block. They just they're just fucking cool and they can get so good. It's just yeah. they're just great. Like yeah, I mean. And you, as you said, Tom, actually, um, the, as a fluff piece, they're so brilliant as well. I mean, they are just the idea of them is really cool. You know, the the blood drinking blood bathing you know uh worshippers of of cain it's just such a cool concept it was a great thing to add to the dark elf team um that makes them even fluffier and nastier and more vicious uh and and of course uh cool in a way it's like what the assassins kind of should be it's like assassins are like take it or leave it but the witch elves are so cool and good that you're like i take them and they're naked ladies and it's like <laughs> That over an assassin is like, yeah, I'll take them. I'll take them 100% of the day. They, they, they literally have opposite clothing to an assassin. An assassin is is like 99% covered by material. You know? And they are, yeah, 0% covered. Yeah, anyway. Uh, they're super cool. And there is a really, really cool um, witch elf um, star player, which we'll go into in a bit. So you certainly will. That is the Blood Bowl roster. I'll quickly touch on one of the other cool things about the Dark Elves is that their rerolls are 50k, which is brilliant. It's, <laughs> like, it's, it's one of the things that I feel like, you know, there's this been long mentioned rumor of Blood Bowl 2 being released in September or sometime in 2020. And it's like, why do Dark Elves have 50k gold pieces and then, you know, Underworld have got 70? I just, I just don't get it. Like, I... I, I I understand why they brought in the different amounts because it it's supposed to be able to say that teams that need more, you know, will affect it and and it will balance it. But why why can Dark Elves get fifty? It's it's one of those weird things, isn't it? I I would agree. I I do. I, I you know, as you've just said, you you sense that there's some justification behind this, but sometimes it's not always immediately obvious to me. Um, it's, you know, you're talking about a number, you know, all the AG4 teams are either tier one or tier 1.5 or however you want to describe it, you know, um, and they've all got cheap rerolls, whereas, you know, things like Necro are paying 70k for rerolls. I can't, re I can't really see a great deal of logic behind that. I'd love to know, I'd love to know a really good justification for it because I, I don't really see it. I think it's a legacy thing that's come up because uh, it's it's interesting. We'll go into the builds in a bit, and I know we keep saying we'll go into this in a bit, and we will, <laughs> listeners. Don't worry. But like, we're going to cover all of the stuff, and maybe it shows that the structure of this podcast is bonkers. But that's fine. Uh, we'll go into it. But but like, it shows because when we do the builds, you can you can actually only really get one or two re rolls in either league or tournament builds, um, whereas in uh, I don't know, Underworld, you can easily get three. So it's kind of showing that. But also Underworld, as an example, are a lot shitter than Dark Elves. Yeah, so maybe exactly. if, they could, if they could get three and Dark Elves could only get one or two if they had almost any linemen, that would balance the game. So it's, it's one of those things that it's almost as if 
and I, and I don't think this is our turn to say it, actually. When GW wrote these rules fucking 20 years ago and they've been adapted by, let's face it, fan rules and stuff like that over the last 20 years and it's expanded, people don't care as much as Age of Sigmar or 40k that the good teams are good and the bad teams are bad. It's one of the fluff things of Blood Bowl and that it's fine that halflings are shit. Like, they've just, like, GW have yeah, just yeah, released yeah, snotlings yeah. and snotlings are shit and Dark yeah. Elves are good. And it's one of the cool things about Blood Bowl that actually... If you want to fucking win an event, either take a tier one or a clever tier two team and make it your own. But that's what you do. Agree? Totally agree. Uh, I, it's not something that I'm totally on board with. Um, I, um, you, you're absolutely right to state that, that it's an explicit philosophy of the game. Um, I don't think it's necessarily wrong that... Uh, a halfling team is is rubbish i think that's perfectly reasonable but when you start to get to the kind of top two tiers the teams are so close that some of these things just seem a little like arbitrarily mean um and 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 don't don't really understand it. why should why why should dark elves be slightly better than chaos dwarves or necros it, it's that you've left the fluff behind at that point you know um, yeah if you you know, I, I I don't quite get it at that level. It's, there's a level I do get it, and and but not when you're talking about the the the, the big um, wash of of generally good teams. It seems a bit weird at that point. But uh, conversation for another time, maybe. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'd, it'd be cool to do a podcast about about that and how tactics and general you know general GW teams. Of it, that's something for another day. Um, we're going to take a quick pause here, listeners. Um, having gone through the Blood Bowl team and. Uh, the Dark Elf team, sorry, in detail. And we're going to come back in a minute and talk about the stars. Nuffle podcast where we're going to talk about the Dark Elf stars. Um, so without further ado, Phil Guns, King Ghidra, whoever the fuck you are, let's go into Asperon Thorn, who is a parter. He's available for both Dark Elf, Elven Union, and High Elf. So he's clearly a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a homunculus. He plays for all he's of them. Mercenary. Yeah. Is uh, um, before we we'll, we'll talk about the fluff in a minute. Um, the yeah. skills he gets are Hail Mary Pass, which is pretty cool. Kickoff Return, which is really really good on any kind of thrower, passer, pick up the baller. Lona, as all um, stars have. Pass, safe throw. So the good high elf skills there. 
and then sure hands, which is great on a star player. Yeah. He costs yeah, 160,000 so gold pieces. He's got your average movement six, your strength three, your agility four, and your armor eight. So your kind of standard Dark Elf lineman stats there. Yeah, so he, he is quite an interesting one. I mean, he's he's pretty he's pretty vanilla, um, and he's very obviously a passer. And as we touched upon earlier on in this uh, in this podcast, he is uh, a passer is not something that a Dark Elf team is necessarily looking for. Um, he's got lots of great utility skills, as you said. Uh, sure hands is really good, especially on on players with loner. Um, Kickoff turn is helpful, but Dark Elves don't particularly lack mobility or the ability to pick the ball up. So he's got a bunch of skills which I think help him do things which Dark Elves don't really struggle with anyway, and they don't really want a passer either. So um, I think he's actually like he's reasonable value as one of the cheaper star players at 160. Um, and he's definitely good at the things which he's supposed to do. I suspect strongly that Dark Elf teams aren't interested in him at all. Um, weirdly, he might be of interest to Elven Union teams, I could imagine, or maybe even High Elves. Um, but I I personally would never take him on a Dark Elf team. Um, and it, that is a little bit sad because, as we mentioned earlier on uh, in the chat, Tom, he is he is one of the original Dark Elf throwers from, from days of yore. He was the Dark Elf. <laughs> He was the Dark Side Cowboys' uh, original passer, uh, and that's why he's made a comeback. I think basically he he is um, he is like the classic Dark Elf uh, passer. But the game has changed since those olden times, and Dark Elves don't need a passer anymore. So that's my verdict on Aspirin Paul. So, so do you think this is one of the really cool? And I would thoroughly endorse this cool. GW things where they've looked back at the old veteran players who will go, oh yeah, Aspronthorn, he's pretty cool because Dark Elves used to pass and this is the dude that used to pass for them. Granted, Dark Elves are now a running team and he's completely irrelevant <laughs> to them. So GW will bring him back, we will go, yeah, we can use him for Dark Elves, Elven Union and High Elves so he's usable in the game and he's a really cool star player but Dark Elves don't fucking need him really. Agree? I I uh, yes agree, and I do think it's really cool um, that GW have done this with a number of stars, and just generally like casting their eyes back to the older fluff. And and just as a general point, are we talking about the Spike magazine that we both got here? You know, these Spike mags are packed with fluff. GW definitely, you know, kudos to them for doing that. They made a real effort with it. Um, I don't think it's all particularly great, but the point is they've. They've realised that that's really important to the Blood Bowl community, and they've made a real stab at it. And they're trying to kind of build that fluff as part of the appeal of the game, which I think is hugely important for Blood Bowl because Blood Bowl is not just a uh, you know a, a, a gamey win at all costs um, board game. It's it's something that people have fun with. They do want to play fun builds. They do want to try different things out. Um, and see weird and wonderful things happening on the pitch. That's always been part of the essence of Blood Bowl. And um, GW have, in my opinion, so far done a really, really good job of evoking those good things from the past and trying to make them happen again in the now. And, and as you um, saying there, really, you know, if you do want to play a passing game with Dark Elves, well, you do kind of have an option when a dude like this exists. So that's that's, that's just nice. And sadly, they're so good that that works. Yeah, it probably would. Yeah. Cool. So Asperon Fawn, cool old school thing that at guns at age 65 loves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
The next player is one of the best stars in the um, Blood Bowl universe. Um, he's just got some really cool shit for an elf team. He's available to all of the elf teams, Dark Elves, Elven Union, High Elves, and Wood Elves. Um, he's effectively a Wood Elf catcher with a twist. Um, he's got catch, dodge, hypnotic gaze, which is redonkulous on an elf team. Uh, Lona, as you'd expect, nerves of steel, so I guess that's more of an actual uh, Elven Union sort of twist, but, you know, sort of Elven Union, Wood Elf kind of player. And he's also got Pass Block as a little, you know, why not have Pass Block. He's 200k, so he's relatively expensive, but he's not too expensive. You could take him in an Elf team. I've seen him taking quite a lot. Movement 8, so one off an Elven uh, catcher, but the same as the High Elf and the, and the Elven Union catcher. Strength 3, Agility 4, and Armor 7. So it's really that hypnotic gaze, which is utterly horrendous pig on Elijah. Uh, sorry, Eldril Sidewinder. Yeah, he, uh, as you said, he, he's he's been one of the go-to stars for Elven teams for quite a long time in Blood Bowl. Um, again, I'm of the opinion that he's less good on Dark Elves than maybe on some of the other um, Elf teams, just because of the way that they play. Um, you. Hypnogaze is ridiculous. It's one of the most powerful abilities in the game, and it's not generally um, available. Um, well, it's not available at all for, for elf teams, and obviously it's something that's potentially very useful to them to cage break and open positions up, and obviously AG4 teams are very able to take advantage of that kind of thing. Basically, he is really, really good. He, he's a, attractively priced, um, but again, I, I don't think he naturally plays into the way that uh, Dark Elves want to play Blood Bowl. So um, I think he's a less probably a less common choice for them. Yeah, and I I'd, I'd probably agree. I mean, the fact that he's a really good cage breaker brings a different style of play to it. But it, he just lends himself more, as a lot of the um, the players that are available to all of the elf teams are to Elven Union because you can get those cheap linemen. But when you're trying to play these more gimmicky play styles mm. where you, you kind of like Dark Elves are built really well, as we'll go into a little bit more to do that running. We're gonna, we might need to base people armor eight style, which the Dark Elf linemen have. But in Elven mm -hmm. Union, where you've got your armor seven, but you don't mind so much because you're still a good elf, uh, you can fit Sidewinder into those tournament teams where you can take linemen and you can still get your positionals. The problem with Sidewinder in the tournament teams is you're gonna have to sacrifice a hell of a lot in a Dark Elf team to get them in. That's, I mean, that's what I would say. Yeah, and and uh, obviously um, there are other modes of play than uh, than tournaments. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, there are there are other things you could do other than super competitive tryhard plays. But yeah, yeah, sure. But but um, in in leagues of all flavors, dark elves naturally tend to get high TV anyway, and so yeah. tend to get inducements. So, I mean, this is arguably a problem that affects all of the players we, we'll look at in this section, is that Dark Elves don't often get inducements. Um, yeah, we're, we're but, kind uh, of looking at these stars as a, as these are cool fluff things, and um, and actually for Dark Elves, you tend to not fit them into tournament builds because of the expense of their linemen, which is arguably their only weakness over the elves like if you want to get stars in yeah. and you want to play the star game which i do like to do and we'll go into the tournament player in a, in a bit 
the linemen are a bit too expensive to do that because they're so good. Like that's that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's maybe one or two exceptions that we'll look at in a minute who are so good that you do build around them. I don't think Eldrill fits into that um, category, but he's definitely a very good star. Fair enough. Cool. Well, the next one is a classic dark side Cowboys. Even I know this. Um, lineman, he was Elijah Doom. Uh, Elijah yeah. Doom. What a fucking cool <laughs> name for a bubble player. Elijah Doom. I mean, it's like it's like a biblical bubble player, isn't it? He's so fucking cool. But he has got uh, your fairly standard Dark Off lineman stats. He's got six, three, four, but then armor value nine, which is ridiculous on an elf. Um, he's the only Dark Elf player here I can see with Armour Value 9. Probably the only Elf with Armour Value 9 who I've seen. I think so, like yeah. Armor. yeah. Um, he's so. got Fens, which is great. Uh, I love Fens. Guard, Loner, as you'd expect. Stand Firm and Wrestle. He's just a really cool lineman star at 190k. Yeah. So Again, too expensive for Dark Elves, but fucking cool. Yeah, now he is one that I... Certainly I tried to do some theory crafting and work out if he could be taken when you get tournament builds um, with a bit higher cash cap, like 1250 style. I think he's quite doable. And and why would you try and fit someone like Elijah Doom in? Well, hey, he's got guard, which is what we were talking about earlier, which is a, a skill which uh, Dark Hills are massively starved of. And as you said, he's got AD9. It, it's pretty obvious where Elijah Doom needs to be. Based up at the front of the action, helping your guys out with assists. Um, probably having wrestle is the one strike against him. Because Block that could be better. Block could be a lot better. It doesn't synergize with any of his other great stats or skills. I'd agree, um, yeah. He's got stand firm. He's got the fan. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's like, uh, some idiot sat in a darkened room and written this. And go, oh, what a bastard. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Um, but um, he, I, I do think he's really, really good, and, and um, I, I would definitely try and work him into a tournament build sometime in the future, I think, yeah. Good player. Okay. Uh, just on the name front, actually, Tom, do you know what? It, it's it's worth people, if they can get hold of a copy of the old um, Blood Bowl 2nd Edition fluff looking at the Dark uh, Side Cowboys team sheet, all of the team names are as cool as, as Elijah Dooms. There, there are loads of cool names on this team. Um, check it out. That's good. Well, I'm, I'm currently writing, and this is going to come out, I don't give a fuck, like I just say it anyway, <clears throat> but I've written a, a short story um, about Griff Oberwald, like the start of Griff Oberwald, and it's going out in the yeah. bulletin exclusively, the bulletin, Ooh. which is the uh, DBL magazine that goes out. And once it's been out for a few months, I'll probably put it out on a on a thing somewhere but it's basically the story of griff oberwald becoming a player for um the reichland reavers and i kind of include like base because the the dark side cowboys dark side cowboys is that their name yeah is uh is one of the reichland reavers like nemesis effectively mm -hmm. so my very first episode is griff oberwald watching a game of the cowboys versus the reavers and like having a crush from roxana and all the cool shit that you'd expect from that um but over the next so i've done one at one uh, episode which is that for the bulletin which is coming out this week so that should be after this podcast coming out soon uh, and i'm going to do two more and i'm gonna i think it'd be cool to build in elijah doom and and um 
Hubris and all those cool guys that are coming in and the start of Griff's career. And I'm going to do, I mean, I'm going to do three for the DBL and then perhaps move it on of how Griff becomes a player for the Reichman Reavers. And it's quite a cool story. Yeah. Nice. Love it, mate. Love it. So the next player, Hawkon Heart Ripper, who is only available for the Dark Elves. And he is the Cowboys assassin, basically, isn't he? That's historically... He's a super assassin. He is a super assassin. He's kind of like what an assassin should be, because his stats are move seven, which is what we all love, uh, and then strength three, agility four, and armor seven. So kind of what I think an assassin should be. You pay for it, because he costs 210k, but then his skills are dodge, leap, loner, as you'd expect, multiple block, multiple stab, you like to say, uh, <laughs> shadowing and then stab. So pretty cool. The only thing he's kind of missing is like agility five to go with the leap or something. But he's like he's like a really cool assassin-y, cage-breaking dude, isn't he? He is extremely cool. And and Tom, you haven't mentioned this, but obviously your usual partner in crime on the podcast, Bill, did take a dark elf team with Hawkon to pearly kings and queens, and I think finished runner up with that build, right? So yeah, like. We it can work. It, it's not just cool on paper. It's it's a genuinely um, really cool concept that that actually has a great impact in the game as well. Multi block stab is just like one of the most fun combos in Blood Bowl. Um, leap adds a whole different dimension. It's like fuck your cage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming in. It's just uh, it's just so cool. Uh, he yeah he's brilliant he's one of the best most fun star players again expensive but actually build aroundable probably uh, just about um, but um, super super cool yeah and and kind of the problems with him are he's got dodge which is sweet for an assassin because assassins don't come with dodge he's got a bit of protection but it's like I can leap on a three plus without a reroll because I'm a loner like. In a way, if he had agility five and was like twenty k more, like really, really, really cool. But he's cool. But it's just like I think I think ag five would really finish this dude off. So it'd be really, really good because because that multi block again doesn't come in with blitzing. So if you want to leap in and blitz, yeah. stab people, double stab people. He's got mm. a few skills that are really sweet and like it's not that he's not cool, but they don't quite synergize and you pay the price to think yeah if he had like sidestep it might be interesting because you know obviously then you can base him and if he doesn't get knocked over he's able to stab again next turn um or multi-stab um so yeah he, he he's um he's close but not quite the full cigar fair enough i like that phil that's a good good thing to finish on for Hawkon. Now we move on to the current captain of the Dark Side Cowboys um, takes over, but um, but yeah, he's not he's not going to be in my initial. Well, he's going to be in my initial, but not the captain in my initial you know, writings of it. Hubris Rakar, who is again yeah. a player that I have tried to build a team out of, and I will be able to out of. We'll talk about tournament builds, like one point two. Mm-hmm. He's quite expensive, but he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's Hubris Rakar, available to Dark Elves and Elven Union. The captain of the Dark Side Cowboys, so clearly a Dark Elf. He's effectively like your ultimate Dark Elf kind of tower guard of Nagaroth dude. Um, he has got, he's 260k. He is expensive. But he's movement 7, so he's standard blitz and movement. He's strength 4, which 
which is brilliant for a for a blitzer in the Darkov team, and then agility for an armor eight. His skills are block, as you'd expect for a blitzer. Randomly, they've chucked in dirty player, because you know he's a, dirty, he's a dirty fucker like you, Phil. He is. Um, he's got jump up, which, as we've already agreed, is uh, and then he's got Mighty Blow as a starting skill and Strip Ball. So he's just like one of those guys you can kill you and get the ball back, which is what you want on a Zaka. He's amazing, and um, he I would agree. He is one of those guys that you might try and work a tawny build around because he's just that good. He's that influential. He, You know, one of the interesting things about Blood Bowl from a tactical perspective is you've got one blitz a turn. And if you've got one really good player, that guy can blitz every single turn and have a huge impact on the game while the rest of your players support them. Um, it's, you know, that's the principle that made things like Clawpom so good back in the day, so so kind of toxic. Um, because if you're doing one Clawpom blitz every turn, then you can have a massive impact on the game with just one player. And, and Hubris is... Pretty much the same thing. I mean, a block, mighty blow, strength four player. Even if you took away all the rest of the stats, that would be really, really good. And but he's got everything else that you might want along with it. As you say, he can do anything and everything. Um, and actually, isn't wildly expensive at two sixty k. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see well, tawny builds. Uh, what they've done interestingly, him. I was looking at him compared to Griff, and what he hasn't got is dodge. So dodge mm -hmm. on an agility four player because he's gonna be dodging at some point. He hasn't got that, True. but he's a gonna be facing up, hitting people. And I think if he had dodge, he'd be like Griff levels of over 300k, mm -hmm. right? And, and mm -hmm. that's what's keeping him down. And I, I don't mm -hmm. know. Maybe he doesn't need it. Maybe that's that's how they built him. But that that's kind of the mm -hmm. thing he's missing. If you were gonna say yeah. a weakness, he's very very good, no doubt he's about that. He's cool. very good. and I and I will take him because. As you know, Phil, I've been doing this take a star, every star to an event, which I'm trying to do. And GW keep releasing more stars. It's becoming more difficult. <laughs> but, but I'm trying to take as many stars as I can. So I will take Hubris to an event. You heard it here first. There's, is there a model for him? There isn't a model for him, is there? In the current no, but I'll release? do a cool conversion, yeah. mate. Don't worry. Yeah. Probably won't paint it, but I'll do a conversion. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next dude is uh, Kiroth. Krakenai, which is kind of like a, you know, what are they called? The um, the the, the corsairs, the dark elf corsair dude mm -hmm. who got on the black arcs. That he's that kind of dude. There's yes. there's a there's an age of sigma um model who's got the really cool sea serpent head with like an octopus face, and that that's like what he's modeled on. Um, mm. he is dark elf elven union available. Um, he's got pretty standard. I'm just looking at Blitzer build. So he's got move seven, strength three, agility yeah. four, armor eight. Uh, he's 170k, so he's he's pretty affordable actually. If you wanted to take him again, Elven Union, that's like a thing I'm looking at. I was like, oh, he might fit. Uh, he's got some cool um, some cool skills actually. He's got both disturbing presence and foul appearance, which is a brilliant combination actually. That's that's one of the things that you think doesn't come up, but does come up more than you think. Uh, loner, which you'd expect. And then he's got pass block, tackle, and tentacles. So a cool set of skills, but it's like tentacles doesn't quite go with strength three. Maybe, you know, it's because he's got the weird octopus helmet. That's why he's got it. Um, but the other stuff is pretty cool. Like, he's he's cool, yeah. but he's not good. No, I would agree. Uh, he 
as you said, he doesn't have very synergistic skills. He has a lot of interesting utility disruption skills. Um, how you would actually apply them becomes is, is not particularly obvious. I think um, he he's very cool in the sense that he's he's a pure fluff piece, really. I mean, I think they came up with a concept and then said, "What kind of skills can we give a guy like this?" And that's that's great. Um, I think it, 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 one of the things actually I quite like that when GW have added stars in this edition is they've added these kinds of disruption pieces um, with a grasp. Double drool came back, and so you've got some of these pieces that have got things like tackle, tentacles, um, wrestle, uh, disturbing presence. These these kinds of skills, um, but yeah, it, it doesn't really come together for Kirov Krakenai. Um, and uh, yeah, there are much better options available. But nice idea. He is cool. He is cool. Again, conversion conversions available for those who love it. Um, the next one, uh, do you know who this person is? Mordrix Hex, who's a dark elf person? Mordrix Hex is, a, is totally new to my knowledge. I am not okay. aware of any Mordrix Hexes in the past. Um, totally new, and I'll back to you. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so no fluff for Mordrix Hex. Looks like uh, a witch, a new witch. That's what it looks like to me. Oh, yeah. uh, she has got, uh, she's cost 230k, so actually quite expensive, 230k for a star. Mm -hmm. She's move 7, uh, strength 3, agility 4, and armor 7. So standard witch um, stats. She comes with block. So she's a blodger. She's got dodge as well. Block and dodge. Dauntless. Fend. Frenzy, so what you'd expect from a witch, and Mighty Blow. She's a good witch. She's a pretty She's strong, very like, very well-built witch. Yeah, uh, you know, Blodge, Mighty Blow, as we said earlier, Mighty Blow is a skill that you would love your witches to have. Um, Fend is, is meh. Um, Dauntless, I actually think, is quite good. Um, it's not um, one of those skills that you would generally take first choice yourself, but it it's very easy to activate it, um, and uh, it does make her more of a threat. She's basically a super witch. She's probably she's quite she's a little bit too expensive, yeah. I think, for what she is. To the extent where you know we looked at Hubris, and we're going to look at someone else in a minute who you might build a team around. I don't think you would want to build a team around Mordric's Hex, but I but she's a, she's a very good star. Yeah. yeah, it's like if she was two hundred. Minus, she'd be a taker, but she's too expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll look at the last, well, the last two stars next, but the next star after Mordrix Hex, as I would agree, is Roxana Darknail, who we all talk about here. Probably not a star you massively take for Dark Elves regularly, again, because of her expense. Uh, she's 250k. Um, she is a super, super witch. <laughs> she's Muminate. So plus one movement, uh, strength three, agility five. So plus one agility, which is the key, because her skills are good yeah. but not brilliant. Um, and then she's armor seven, as you expect from a witch. But then her skills are the standard dodge for a witch, frenzy for a witch, jump up for a witch. So the good witch skills. Uh, but then she comes with juggernaut, and she's going to be blitzing a lot. So that's really yeah. helpful. Block could really be better, good. but Juggernaut's good. really, really good. Uh, and then Leap on an Agility 5 piece, which is absolutely key. 
Um, again, I would say out of the bat, quite difficult to fit into a Dark Elf team, and she does go for Amazons as well. Do you know the fluff behind the Amazons? Uh, I mean, she's a woman. I mean, that, that might be that might be the reason. <laughs> I have I have not I'm not privy to that fluff. No, um, but it it's interesting that you bring them up because she's transformative for Amazons who are already amazing. Yeah. So the fact that um, she can so many people have been making Amazon builds with Roxana uh, is all the evidence that you need that she's absolutely fantastic star. Um, but yeah, for Dark Elves, just a tough one to fit into teams um, and maybe not quite good enough to do so. Um, obviously, the, the, the key things that you've already pointed out for her, um, huge movement range, massive agility, and a leaper. Now, combine that with Frenzy and Juggernaut, and you've got something that can surf or get to the ball carrier wherever the hell they are on the pitch, anytime. You can't, yeah, and you can't sit on the you can't sit on the sideline. You will be surfed in a heartbeat. Um, you know, you can't stay too far away from the rest of your team. She will she will get the ball off you no problem. She's a fan. She's a fantastic piece. Um, perhaps um, a bit too pricey for a lot of dark elf builds um, who want to do some other stuff. But she is absolutely transformative for Amazons. Incredible for Amazons. And she's super sexy. <laughs> that, that is what I would say. And you know, read my stories to hear how sexy she is. Griff is enamored with her in there. I mean, would you would you disagree? I, I the concept that you have brought a sexy element to your fanfic is making me think that I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. <laughs> Yeah, Roxana. I mean, we will do a Dark Elf um, race review at some point, and we'll talk about Roxana in detail and how she tactically, yeah. you know, brings the Dark the Amazons to life in that. So, Roxana, that is most of, almost all of the Dark Elf new stars. We'll quickly touch on <laughs> Morgan Thorg. I mean, very briefly, he's available to all races. He, I mean, it's it's one of those players that I fucking love because he's does everything. He's Movement six. He's an ogre. He's movement six, strength six, agility three, and armor ten. So he's like an ogre, but better with block. So he's really, really fucking good, but he costs 430k. So the big challenge is fitting him into teams. And so me, I mean, listeners, you'll have heard a bit about me over the over the podcast in general. It's about fitting him into a team, and I can say straight up. He does not fit into the Dark Elf team because he's too expensive. <laughs> no. Disagree? Agree? If you I agree, if if you find yourself 430 TV down with Dark Elves, you have better options than Morg anyway. Um, some of the other stars that we've looked at, you could buy a couple of them, and they would serve you better than one Morg, I would say. Yeah. Um, he is amazing. Um, he's definitely. He's great. He's just. You're never going to. these players. I mean, like. I've taken him to tournaments where he does fucking everything, but he needs underworld or humans or um, halflings or whatever, um, and he'll fit into that. Um, I'll I'll take him in that, and and he works in that. But he just does not work in the dark health team because he's too expensive, and that's that's how it is. So he's available. You can take him if you want, listeners. Um, but the next player. 
is Jeremiah Cool. And I, for one, mm -hmm. think he is really cool. It's just a shame, Amazing. as we've spoken about some of these stars, he's not available to Elven Union. Because if he was available to Elven Union, you could take him with some of the linemen and stuff, he'd fit. I'm kind of waiting for like a 1.2, one like higher build, because he's so expensive. He's 390k. But as you'd expect, as a golden era star, which is quite cool that GW brought these in, the golden era stars that they think are you know, going to be super cool for people to play with, but may maybe not fit as a regular game. But he is great. He is movement. He's basically a super dark elf catcher. And as we know, dark elf catchers don't exist anymore, but they used to exist. It's one of those things that's a nod to old players, which is brilliant. He's movement eight, strength three, agility five, and armor eight, which is good for a catcher, like really good. Um, then, good. It's, then it's like skills. I'm like, I'm trying to look down the list, and I'm like, oh my god, there's oh, like ten skills. He's blodging, so he's blocked oh, into lodge. Uh, he's got diving catch so that he can get it out of other other squares and still pick up on a two if he's in tackle. I mean, you know, he could be in two tackle zones, pick it out, out of a square for two plus. It's just ridiculous. Diving catch is great. He's got dump off as well, so he can do what we said of the runners, but excellently because he can get it on a two plus. He's got kick off return, so he can go and grab the ball if he's sitting deep. He can go and get it. Loner, as you'd expect of a star. Nerves of steel. Like an Elven Junior catcher, why not? Uh, mm -hmm. Pass so he can reroll that, which is brilliant on a star player. If you can get inbuilt rerolls, fucking great. And then also sidestep so he can just sidestep around people, which for me, looking at the other skills, is kind of like a uh, just like an extra. Oh, that's cool, but doesn't synergize. Okay. I mean, he can he can do it all. He's like he's one of those players. So I build a couple of human builds with Griff that are really cool. He can do it all, but he's a bit too expensive, and Dark Elves are also too expensive, so you wouldn't take him regularly. You'd have to have a pretty specific tournament build to actually take him and be effective. Yeah, he's grossly expensive, and as as you kind of touched on, he's he's got so many skills. He's got too many skills. Um, if he had two or three less and was at the 300 mark, maybe be tempting because MA8. AG5 is ridiculous. Um, he, he's not a hitter. That's probably another thing that goes against him. He's he's basically a pure ball carrier um, or, or passer, depending on what you want to do with him. Um, but yeah, he's amazing. I can't imagine what the circumstances are where you could actually use him. He's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I will take him at some point because I think he's that cool. Um, and again, you need like 1.2 plus probably to take him, but it would be like with lineman and maybe a blitzer. But I mean, he's he's really uh, <laughs> one of the things the dark elves suffer from is being that solid and that good that you don't need gimmicks like star players to make them any better. And they're kind of yeah, they're almost built like that that you can't do that. Like Jeremiah, you can't fit in because the lineman is 70k, but really solid. And that's just kind of how they're built. They're a really solid, like, Joe Man GS, don't want to fuck about, don't make stupid decision team. And actually, star players always bring that to your build, no matter what you do, because they've got loner. If you're relying on a loner to do stuff, then they, they bring that. And Dark Elves basically stop that because they're that good. Yeah, they don't have an a expansive, risky 
play style and many of the star players in this game uh, are based around doing something a bit weird maybe or, or having some kind of toolkit. Dark Elves have already got a totally robust solid playstyle and don't need any of that nonsense so they don't lend themselves towards um, a lot of the stars um, but they have actually one of the very best selection of stars i would say <laughs> ironically <isn't> it? <laughs> it's weird. When, you, when you go through these things you're like, oh my god these guys are fucking great and actually i wouldn't i wouldn't say that you can't like build teams out of this it's just that dark elves are that good that you can you don't. You just don't need it. And in Blood Bowl, as we know, you can always roll a fucking one. So re-rolls are what you need, and Dark Elves bring that to you. So why would you take stars? Yeah, kind of safety skills, mitigation skills, dodge, block. You know, Dark Elves naturally end up with oodles of them. And as, you, as we discussed earlier, cheap re-rolls. Um, they're pretty good at everything to begin with. So they just lend themselves to a very... A, a very kind of safe, no-risk game style. I agree. Right, so that is the Dark Elf roster. Um, yeah, I don't think we can go into any more of that. We've gone through the stars, we've gone through the roster. We've got two more things to cover. We're going to cover league builds and then tournament builds. We'll take a quick break here, Phil, after an hour of recording. That's a really good effort. I hope your missus isn't, you know, you, you're looking pretty tired, actually. At age 65, I <laughs> maybe you need a quick, you know, old man wheeze break and, and you know some vitamins or something and a nap, and we'll come back in. So, listeners, we'll come back in soon and uh, and speak to you about league bills. Welcome back to the Talk Nuffle podcast, where we're going to talk about Dark Elves or League, aren't we, Phil? Yes, we are, Tom. Now, quickly, before we go into the Talk Nuffle podcast, as ever, we're prepared and we have the best people on. Have you ever taken Dark Elves in a League? No. <laughs> that is the answer I expected. That's what I was hoping for. I suppose um, I should clarify. Not in a tabletop league, okay. uh, as that's been a fairly recent thing for me. But I have played them a lot on Fumble, um, yeah. so I know what I'm talking about a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's it's, 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 it's funny for 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 the Talk Nuffle podcast to go. Yes, we have the expertise. Have you ever taken? No, I have not. I have no idea. No, I'm just. No. I'm, no, as we are all during the coronavirus pandemic, armchair generals at all times, which is perfect. Well, um, Tom, it does say here that I've played 59 games with Dark Elves on Fumble. So there you go. That, that's that's league of a manner of speaking. Well done. I mean, I'm I'm currently taking for the listeners Dark Elves uh, in the Dragon Ball League um, um, league. Yes. So we've got an online Fumble league, effectively, and I took Dark Elves for that. Um, Phil is holding up his Dragon Ball League pint glass, which is perfect. I actually smashed mine today, Phil. I don't know if you saw in the chat. It's really no! sad. I know. I dropped it in the sink. It broke. It was very sad. Uh, Ollie's got a few left over, so he's going to put one aside for me for when this isolation ends. Oh, I'm going to get a new one, which is fantastic, because the, the Dragon Ball League pint glasses are 
Perfect. Yeah, I've taken Dark Elves recently. Before we go into the actual what you should do in League uh, builds, <laughs> I took them in the recent Fumble League, and I got probably one of the most stupid and ridiculous and disgusting Dark Elf League teams you should ever get, with three agility five players, an assassin, and I took the assassin in a starting build, Phil, and we've already talked about starting builds. Probably don't take assassin. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, take an assassin because it's fine. Oh, he's got agility five. Now he's, he's useful because all elves are good with agility five. Uh, I also got an agility five runner who I gave strong arm and accurate. So he's probably one of the best passers in the game. Spoiler alert, I still lost in the semi-final. Uh, <laughs> and I also got um, an Agility 5 Blitzer, who's probably the best player in the game, and a Strength 4 Witch Elf. So, you know, for the listeners, I wow. probably got the best Dark Elf team you could take, which we're not going to analyze in depth, because it's ridiculous! And you'd never roll those skill-ups unless you played Fumble, would you, Phil? Well, yeah, I don't know. I've seen a few lucky people in the DBL, so uh, maybe it's possible. <laughs> lucky or... Yeah, uh, are we, yeah, we won't go into that. So, Dark Elves for Leagues, Phil. I mean, one of the really good things about uh, Dark Elves in Leagues is that they've just got really solid skills. So Dark Elves start with a ridiculous skill advantage. Um, they've got four players a block, two with Dodger and Frenzy if they want to take them. Uh, every single player has got access to dodge, wrestle, block, and sidestep, which are all really good league uh, skills. And Dark Elf players are all mostly uh, armor value 8, so they're really good to survive and then build and then carry on. Uh, they've also got awesome agility, so they're quite slow compared to normal elves, which we'll go into a little bit. Um, but they're still an elf team, so every elf is can pass, um, they can dodge, uh, and they can receive. Uh, so Dark Elves can still compete when down in any situation. Like I've seen Dark Elves, they're still Elves. Like if you've got three or four Elves, you can still score a touchdown, which is amazing. Um, and over time, Dark Elves can develop into ridiculous, ridiculous teams, which we'll talk about. Um, I would say straight up, before we go into it, they're designed for defense. So they've got the, they've got the armor value eight, they've got the blocking skills, and they can defend and then score, which is what they're really, really, really good at. Would you disagree? Yeah, I uh, no, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I've heard people say that they think that they are the best defensive team in in Blood Bowl. Um, I would struggle to disagree with that. I think that's that's a, that's what they are very very good at. As you alluded to a minute ago, they are um, they're not amazingly fast. So their offensive style, which tends to be a kind of rolling um, but mobile scrimmage, um, that's not arguably their forte. Um, I think their forte is is playing a traditional AG4 type defense with resilience, which is completely insane. No one else can do what they, they can do. Um, so they start with enough well, skills, but still mm. mobility for a really nasty defense, and they're tougher than any team that is remotely as mobile. So there's no team that is mobile that is also as tough. And you've got Actually, yeah, we talk uh, about the Witch Elves, but also the Assassins are really good in the backfield. Um, they can really like mop up anything that comes through, and you've always got to have those people that block or bring the ball carry down. And then that AV8 line Elves and Blitzers are just really good shock absorbers. And it's different, completely different to other Elves, where they usually... It's interesting when you play with Elves, you've usually only got those two armor value 8 block players to 
absorb the shock and mm -hmm. do the hits. Darkels have got four of them, so they can have probably two or three of them doing the shock absorbing with the block and the armor value eight, taking the hit, and you know statistically not going down. Um, but they've also got one or two in the backfield with the witches to do the hits as well. So they're just they're just like an agility for L team who can do the hits but also absorb the pressure. Yeah, I think uh, what what they basically lack is um, they don't particularly easy blow cages open um, or traverse the length of the field very quickly because they don't have the movement for it and they don't have certain natural skills. But what they what they are is like the best percentage team by a yeah. huge margin. You know, you can't outmaneuver them. It's virtually impossible to get through them. It's it, unless you get lucky, you won't diminish their numbers too much. So they are just a super percentage team, and that's why they're the best defensive team in the game. I would, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. So they're they're effectively built to like they're ready to rumble as starting teams. They're one of the best starting teams. Um, but they also live at large in the long league. Like we'll talk about the the, the perpetual leagues in a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But I would suggest sorry, I that they're, say, they're they're built almost to absorb the pressure and score against you, but then score again yeah. and again and again. <laughs> so they can they can form those, you know, tower blocking two formations and stop you, but then hit you with a witch, a move seven, jump up, dodge witch, or a blitzer who's got the block, who's got enough skills and then score, and then do it again and again. It's kind of one of those things that people talk about the vampires being good at, but they haven't got anything on the Dark Elves. Like, vampires are cool, but they've just got too many drawbacks, and Dark Elves actually do that really, really well and solidly and potentially good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Amps. I would say they are also one of the best defensive teams in the game because they have the power to completely change a position. But that Dark Elves don't have the power to do that on any given turn. But what Dark Elves will do is be is chip away at you every turn. Yeah. You know, a, a Vamps can flip a game on, on one great turn, but they can also completely fall to bits on one on one um, bad turn. Dark Elves pretty much don't fall to bits uh, ever. So that's one of their, their great advantages. Um are we going to talk about starting league? Yeah, so I'm going to say time? so um First off, we're going to go into building your Dark Elf team for a league. Um, first of all, Bill, how many rerolls would you take with the Dark Elves? So I don't think you can start a. I don't think you can start a reasonable Dark Elf team with more than two rerolls. Mm -hmm. um, that's I'd okay. Agree. That's not great. Um, all Elf teams want more than two rerolls because you're going to be making dodge rolls and you're going to fail dodge rolls. Um, but you you just can't do it without giving up too much other stuff. Um, so I think yeah, you, you're never going to get more than two rerolls in a starting uh, in a good starting dark team. I mean, I I personally, and I'm a man who plays with fewer rerolls in general <laughs> because um, I often take stars of tournaments, so I'm I'm quite comfortable with two rerolls on say a human team or something, and that's I think. I don't want to sound like an absolute cunt, but uh, but good players can take two rerolls in most normal teams and do well because you've just got to reroll manage and that that's a thing. So that's a reroll and a leader reroll, and you should be able to play the game of blah blah. Vampires, Slan, there are teams that need four probably ogres, three or four. You, there are teams that you need to 
to really consider your reroll management. Mm -hmm. But Dark Elves, you can take one. Um, I would take two because I like to be able to do stupid plays and take risks, and you, and you need those rerolls for. So I would agree. I think I think that you need two if you can possibly get it into your build up. But but there are builds that take one, and you can take the runners to get the get two straight off the bat, isn't it? In in leagues. Yeah, I think if with Dark Elves, the only reason I would look at a one reroll build is if I was being really greedy and trying to get witches uh, and blitzers involved right from the off. You 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 could go that route. Um, I would suggest that you don't need to because the two reroll, four blitzer, one runner build is just really good at everything. Um, yeah. Or you, you do the same thing, but you don't even bother with the runner, which I think there's a strong case for that. Um, I probably would do that because I will want to use a blitzer as a ball carrier so that I'm earning star player points on my on my blitzers nice and early. Um, I might not want to use the blitzer as a ball carrier down the line, but this is my most effective way of getting them um, SPPs early and turning them into what I want to turn them into. Would you so, ever take um, short hands on a blitzer early? No. Question. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Because it's, it's one of those things, if no, you've got one or two re-rolls and you roll that one, it, it's a thing that, you know, people take short hands on an elf early and it's it's not stupid, but it's it's a thing that people discuss. Yeah, the, the, I think um, the, the two reasons I wouldn't do it is one is I want to take some other skills because they're much better um, and they make my blitzer into the thing that I ultimately want them to be. Secondly, when you've got AG4, sure hands is of less value. Um, I think if you're looking at a good example of a team that you might take sure hands on a blitzer, something like Orcs is quite a good example. You've got you know four blitzers there. You can ditch the thrower and, and have a sure hands blitzer instead. I think that's actually quite good, um, not least because he's more mobile than his own his own thrower. He's got an extra movement allowance as well. But I don't really like it for elves. Yeah, I, I guess the only thing I was saying is because. Because we've been talking about L dark elves being the reliability team, so, so you know you you you're building your dark elf team because it's got the four blitzers with block and the witch elves with dodge and the really good solid reliable skills. You know, sure hands is a skill you would definitely take, and we're we're going to go into this, listeners, in a future episode on undead and stuff. Sure hands is definitely a skill you take on those agility three teams. But actually, on Dark Elves with Agility Four, you take that risk for the for the the two plus, and you're happy with that. Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, so next, we'll go into for the leagues. Which players would you start with? I mean, clearly, as we've discussed, Blitzers are absolutely the best, most reliable all-round players with the block, with the arm, with your movement seven, with your armor eight. So it's hard to go wrong i mean you, you've got to take the blitzers um i would argue that runners are useful um and a couple of skills get them really good but they're not then they don't build into that dark elf reliability straight off the bat and witch elves are super super fun um and super super cool but an early witch elf is an expensive liability um mm. and straight off the bat before you go phil i'd say there is absolutely no room for assassins on one million gold straight off the bat. Agree? Uh, I do agree. Yeah, um, you can you can fit them in with some slightly janky builds, but 
Um, I think one thing which stands against runners and assassins um, in um, starting league builds is you are going to have 11 players and those guys have 87 and that means that you're going to have to play them on defence and they're going to get hit and they're obviously much more likely to be removed. Um, so, like, they they feel it's it's not a, it's not a good situation to be having to play people like that on defense it's kind of like sometimes if you start skaven um and teams like that you end up having to use your throwers on defense because you just don't have enough players and you don't want those guys getting hit because they're more expensive to replace than your regular linos and they do get removed a lot more easily so yeah, you can take the runner. I would probably take a lino and keep that spare 10k for a future purchase, such as my next positional or an apo. So you're yeah. starting 1,000 league build, Phil. What would you go for? Four blitzers, seven linos, two rerolls. Fair enough. I mean, you can you can fit a runner in there for the 1,000. Oh, definitely. Yes. Would you go yeah, for that? Just would you go for four blitzers, one runner, or would you save the money for the Apo? That's the question. Yeah, the latter. Uh, yeah, and as, as the reasons I just said, I, I, I'm not a fan of the runner on 11 player builds. It, it's actually something that I would be tempted to add later when the team is more developed, because then they can be used as a pure ball carrier. Um, you hope at that point you've got enough players that you don't have to field them on defence. Um, and and you can build them appropriately. Um, I think in a starting lineup, they they are rather vulnerable. Yeah, fair enough. So I, I I'd so I'd agree, but slightly disagree because I'm a bit of a risk taker. Um, I'd agree that the four blitzers is the optimal opening build. There's no reason you wouldn't take more than you wouldn't take less than four blitzers. Um, if it were me, just because I'm a bit of a risk taker and I think you can get the money and, you know, if people die, people die, it's blah, blah, I would take the four blitzers. I would also take the one runner and the six lionels and two rerolls. I think you need those two rerolls for a starting lineup. That's what I would agree on. Oh, definitely. Um, and I think there's an option, listeners, on taking the one runner or not and keeping a bit more money in the bank for that APO because you need the APO to protect your key blitzers. But again, as we've spoken about, the blitzers are super resilient. They've got block, they've got armor eight. They're probably not going to die over the first couple of games, but they might. So you know, it's, it's kind of how, <laughs> how defensive you'd be. If it were me, listeners, and on Phil's build, I'd take four blitzers. I'd still take that one runner and the six Lionels and the two rerolls. It's probably the most popular roster in a league build. Um, it offers you a full complement of the blitzers and enough Lionels to really develop them and give you that running style and enough team rerolls to really throw that ball around and get you build up. Now, if it were me yeah. on a league startup, I would take the one Witch Elf, three blitzer, seven Lionels, two rerolls, which you can fit. Um, it brings you, I think, 10k less on the 20k less. Sorry, on the um, on the on the <laughs> the holy grail apo build. So if you take the runner build, you you've got 20k in the bank, and probably on your first game you're going to get that 30k to get the the apo, which is going to be really important if your blitzers are going to start to die and stuff. But I'm a risk taker. I love the witch elves, and I think you know witch elves are fucking powerful. They're fragile and expensive, but they're fucking cool. 
and they're a powerful one. And I would say the Ferrari of Blood Bowl, or you know, the Lamborghini. I mean, they're they're just maybe they're just super cool and they're naked. So why would we not take it? It's hard to support a witch help on a budget and still have two rerolls, but you can get it in there. So on my bill, yeah. I would take it. And, and you can come back in a minute, Phil. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk because it's my podcast. Um, <laughs> I would take that witch elf. Again, because you've said, and we've played a lot on the Dragon Ball League uh, bill, which is eight games. So you've kind of got to take risks because you've only got eight games before the knockouts. So you've got to really skill those players up. And I want to get that witch elf as good as she can fucking be because I would take, I would have the three blitzers. I buy a I buy an Apo first and then a fourth by the knockout. So I'd have a rookie blitzer by the knockouts, statistically speaking. I'd have a witch elf with probably wrestle strip ball to really get that fucking ball down. And I have three blitzers with a build up of tackle and hopefully a double on mighty blow and then, you know, a blodger and some other stuff. And that's that's what I'd be looking for in a Dragon Ball League setting. In the ECBBL, I'd agree I'd probably take the four blitzers out of the bat because usually it's four, it's 10 to 12 games, so you've got more games. So I buy a, blit, uh, I buy a witch elf a bit later, a few games later, because she only really needs like a wrestle or something or a block to become effective. So I think I'd agree. Um, but in a Dragon Ball League DBL setting, I'd take the witch elf out of the bat and take the fucking risk. Go. <laughs> I don't uh, disagree with that option, actually, I, not least because, as, as we were saying earlier, we were talking about the positionals, the fact that um, witch elves start with MA7 and dodge means that they are almost natural ball carriers. Yeah, so, it builds you know, that re-roll into your team. The dodge is really helpful. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things which they're very risky at at low TD is blocking, because Frenzy can obviously get you into trouble. Um, but, uh, you know, they're still fantastic, and I don't think there's any issue with trying to fit one in. Um, it, it doesn't cripple the starting Dark Elf lineup to basically swap a Blitzer for a Witch Elf. I think it's totally valid. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's... Were you surprised? Were you surprised that I agreed with you then? <laughs> Not at all, Phil. You you're you're a very malleable, young, kind of, you know... <laughs> good to go kind of bloke it's not, it's not at all no I, I think you agree with me I, I think if I took it so I don't know if you know about me Phil but I tend to take a what I consider competitive and strong build in the ECBBL Autumn League because that's a bit of a shorter league and I would probably take Dark Elves then and I go with the four blitzer build because that's a short league build and I try and win it like that's what I tend to go with in the ECBBL and then in the longer ECBBL league, which is why I love the ECBBL, because it's such a malleable um, program, it feels like less pressure than the DBL, which is really good in other ways. Um, they give you a much longer spring league, which allows you to, I think, play the more fun, you know, quotation marks teams. So I've taken Chaos and Corn and Vampires I've taken this year, which has unfortunately been cut short by coronavirus um but you know those are the sorts of teams so if i were going to take it in a competitive ecbbl autumn league i would take the four blitzer lineup but if i was going to take it in a dbl team i'd probably take the witcher and just fucking gamble because the the dbl in a weird kind of way it feels like more pressure because it builds into the kind of knockout and you've got to really build your team. And if your team's fucked, you're fucked. And if it's not, you're good. And that's kind of how I felt. 
Um, so that's what I would say at this portion of the segment is that DBL is in a way more pressure than the ECBBL, which is a bit more relaxed and you can kind of choose what you would do tactically in different situations. Those are very interesting perspectives. I, I don't disagree with those. I think um, in ECBL particularly, it's a lot harder to qualify for a knockout. So you need to be good all the way off, through, and you need to yeah, you need to make sure you qualify, and you can worry about your knockout games later. DBL does feel a bit more like you're always building for some kind of knockout, no matter how you do. So you just want to grow your team um, successfully. Uh, I, I would I would definitely agree with that. Yes. Right. Thank you, Phil. I think that's a that's a good portion to step on into how I would improve my dark elf players under a league perspective. Mm -hmm. So I mean, first of all, alignment. I mean, actually, because the dark elves are so good out of the bat, in terms of my alignment, one of the very first skills I would take is kick. Especially if I've gone for that four blitzer starting lineup, I just take kick out of the back because that brings Dark Elves right up to putting pressure on your opponents straight out. I'm going to disagree completely with that. Okay. Um, reason being that they they don't have the range um, to to be so aggressive. Um, I think your your wood elves, the Skaven of this world, um, thrive off kick because it can create positions that they, with very, very high movement and agility, are able to exploit. And you use the word pressure there, totally. Uh, obviously, Dark Elves are still capable of that, but I just think they're that little bit less capable of putting that pressure on because they don't have the movement range um, to do it. Um, also, um, even for those teams, kick is is a debatable choice. I, I used to think it was a, an essential for Wood Elves. Uh, I met a number of people at UKTC who were very, very good Wood Elf players and didn't agree with me. So I'm kind of reappraising my own view on kick in terms of a general skill. Um, and maybe talk about that another time because that's quite a long conversation in its own right. But basically, um, yeah, I think the the inability of Dark Elves to really capitalise on, on the situations Kit creates and the fact that it may be not that good anyway and the third one being that I think generally you want to try and blodge everything in a Dark Elf team. That that plays into the strengths of Dark Elves um, so blodge or rog, I think having, having wrestle linemen is also really good I would personally take Block, wrestle, or dodge is the first skill on any lino that rolled a normal. Fair. No, I mean those would be my second choices. I'm just just interested because on mm. on your dark elves, uh, sorry, on your high elves or your elven union, for example, um, if you're taking the optimal league build, your dark elves have got four, and we've discussed this already. You've got your four blocking um, blitzers, potentially a fifth on the runner, but you might have saved a bit of money. And then your line. So you've got a good amount of speed. You've got four to five movement seven. On your high elves, you've probably got four because you've got your two catchers and your two blitzers. You might have five, so it's a similar amount. Uh, again, yeah, the elves, you've got your uh, war dancers, catchers are movement nine, so they're, they're a bit faster. Mm -hmm. I just I just don't think dark elves are that much slower. And I'm just uh, 
we'll move on in a minute, listeners, but I just don't think, I think Phil is thinking a bit along the lines of the running Dark Elves, you know, absorbing the pressure kind of example. But I just really think on alignment, maybe Phil is thinking, you know, block dodge is good to absorb that pressure, but kick brings more to your already four block dudes that that's spread across the the dark elf sort of um you know theme is what I would say. Yeah, I just I mean, you know, it's it's about which players you're doing things with. I think, you know, the your for Wood Elves, the the star of the show, and they're kind of doing everything with a team like Dark Elves. You've got four great blitzers, um, but they not they don't naturally apply pressure. Um, they don't have leap. Their mobility is limited to the paths that the rest of the team opens up and the position you've got. You know the gutter runners and um, war dancers of this world can get through any position on the field to where they want to through a combination of agility, dodge, movement range, or leap in the war dancer's case. I think it's, I just think Dark Elves do just genuinely not lend themselves so much to um, to that pressure. It, it very much depends on who you're playing. It very, very much depends on who you're playing. They, they obviously outspeed a number of teams um, and can take advantage of that. I, I don't. I, I just. I just. I just think you. You know, it's kind of been the theme of this whole thing with with dark elves. They're they, what they're good at is being really consistent, um, and resilient. So I would be picking skills which made that more powerful. That's fair, Phil. Um, I mean, I, which, I mean to, fi to finish on this mm -hmm. on the lineman, I w I would say that in general, um, you know, wrestle, block, and dodge are the best general skills on linemen because they make them a bit more aggressive and a bit more defensive kick is a great skill me personally i would take it quite early because i think that's good from the teams that i play but as we know listeners blood ball is very much a personal game and if you feel like you don't want to take advantage of um you know blitzes and things like that i mean i'm i'm a bit of an on the seat of your pants kind of play for the you know perfect defense um blitzes kind of player um, and I know that Phil is more of a let's play for the averages kind of player. And actually, as we know, listeners, Blood Bowl 2 is coming. And it's pro hopefully, and I would agree with Phil, going to make it more average as a game. So if you're playing it averages, it's definitely wrestle, block, and dodge on your lineman. Doubles fucking straight up on a double. Um, guard is what you would take because elves and dark elves love guard. Um, but um, wrestle, block, and dodge is straight up. If you want to take something that's going to make your team more effective, take kick. And if you're a Phil kind of player, take that later. If you're a Morg kind of player, Loinster kind of player, take it earlier. Um, up to you. <laughs> I think I think that's a fair a fair thing to th finish off on Lyman. I don't think you take anything else. Right. Let's move on from the line elves to one of my favourite players, the Witch Elves. I mean. I don't think Phil's going to disagree with me on this. Um, on which elves, you've got dodge. You take block or wrestle immediately. I mean, there's no other yeah. you take. Simple as that, and and it's really to flavour. I'm more of a wrestle, and um, I don't think you can disagree in what block gives you either. So it's it's um, it is literally as simple as that. Absolutely. So block is 
both a defensive and an offensive skill. But um, but wrestle is is a pure offensive skill, and for me, witch elves are pure offensive because if you take the build, I'm going to take, and actually, if you take the fill, if you take the build, Phil's going to take. We take your four blitzers and then your witch. It's going to be an offensive piece. It's not going to be a armor seven. I'm going to stand next to you. So I would mm. I would suggest that you take two witches, wrestle first, and maybe block second. But if you get like a strength up or a double on a witch that one's going to take block because that's going to make it more offensive and going to kill shit. Um, but the wrestle is going to be a get the ball kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Totally. after the Brock or wrestle, they're going to take sidestep because they're frenzied, so they're going to end up next to the next to the sidelines. They're going to take tackle, so I'd like a wrestle tackle. But actually, I go for a wrestle um, strip ball straight away. Um, depending if you're playing humans or people are gonna people don't take short hands as quick as you think in leagues. So if you've got if you've got that wrestle strip ball, you're gonna get the ball more than you'd think. Um so for me there's like a there's like a kind of um get the ball kind of switch that has wrestle, tackle, strip ball, and I would take strip ball first, like go wrestle strip ball. I'd always take wrestle or block first because that's the one that's gonna keep your witch from getting killed. Effectively, <laughs> because they're armor seven, so you don't want your witch to die. Um, but the strip ball for me is quite early on. Yeah, I pretty much completely agree with that. I think it's. I, I also favour going the kind of wrestle strip ball route, but wrestle tackle has its has its merits as well. Um, I think if you pick block as your first skill, then sidestep, then it's like a sidestep or tackle choice. Um, sidestep more for the defensive tackle block is block block tackles a nice synergy when you're hunting uh stunties and squishy catchers and things like that um but yeah i prefer the the wrestle strip ball route because dark elves don't um generally involve natural ball hawking players um your your chances are that your blitzers are going to turn into blodge guards or um blodge tacklers or something like that so the who who on your team is going to be that wrestle strip ball person well it might as well be the person that's got frenzy as well yeah. and and dodge and and good movement range and has a very natural ability um to get after ball carriers so yeah that's my preferred use of witch elves as well actually get the get the fucking ball yeah but, no, I, i'd agree and and but they, but they so i was gonna say they they very much can be you know, block, tackle, mighty blow, deep lying, safety type players mm. that absolutely smash anything that looks like a gutter runner or a catcher that comes that has the that has the makes the mad decision to go in deep into a dark hill backfield. Oh, that is a totally valid and very good use of witch elves as well. I mean, and good, really good follow up skills are things like actually like diving tackle is really good on witch elves. Um, pass block because they're so mobile. Um, I'd actually take pro as well if you get into the longer leagues, which we'll talk about. I mean, they're, they're, Witch Elves are one of those actually really good starting pieces that are almost as good as War Dancers, but kind of fly under the radar because they don't have Blodge. But they're one skill away from Blodge, and then they become always as good, and you're going to take leaps, and you're going to take things like that, and, you know, Mighty Blows and stuff. I mean, I had... Uh, so I, I mean, listeners, I got knocked out of this league by uh, Steve with his Britannians, and he played very well. Like a, a 
not take it away from him at all. He played extremely well. Um, but he knocked out my three agility up and strength up witch. But I got the opportunity to take strength up as the first skill on a witch. And I was like, yeah, fucking hell. I'll take a strength four witch. That's brilliant. Dodge, strength four. Still got the jump up. All the good shit. Um, and then the second skill was double. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to take Mighty Blow, you know, because I got Strength for Mighty Blow. Still risky, listeners, because if you're playing Dark Elves, as Phil and I have already discussed, reliability is the key. Dark Elves, reliability, that is what Dark Elves do. All other Elves do funny elf shenanigan shit. Dark Elves do reliability. Let's just hammer that home. But <laughs> with this Witch Elf, I was like, yeah, this sounds like a fucking awesome elf sh shenanigan shit to do. So I took Strength 4, Mighty Blow, got knocked out by Steve, and on that knockout game, I managed to get Block. And that is the Witch of your dreams. She is now Movement 7, Strength 4, Agility 4, Armor 7, but she's got block and mighty blow and jump up and dodge so she's a blodging she's just ridiculous and and that's just an example of the kind of things that witch elves can really do for you in a way i see dark elves as the blitzers are the rear you can get four of them they're the really solid reliable parts of the dark elf force that are gonna move alongside your armor value eight agility four line elves and the witch elves are just the super ridiculous stupid stuff that are going to get cool shit to really take your game to that next level. That, that's what I would say. I mean, hazardous but powerful. And you know, fucking hell, chuck piling on if you're in, an, if you're in a ridiculously because they got jump up. So if you're like a mighty blow, you've got all two doubles and you're a mighty blow block witch with piling on, they're ridiculous. And there's, there's things that witches can do because they start with those skills that they can actually do in normal leagues with a couple of doubles. And they're just awesome, awesome players. Couldn't agree more. Moving on to the Blitzers, as we've alluded to, who are, you know, I mean, Blitzers. They, they start with block and they're fast. So giving them dodge first up, they're blodgers straight off the bat, and then sidestep, and they become union um, Blitzers. They're just really, really good. Doubles, you know, you're going to take, as we've discussed, Bill will take guard first. I would probably take Mighty Blow on my first Blitzer if I was going for a four Blitzer Dark Elf team, but then guard because you're, you're blodging, sidestepping guard or whatever combination you roll that in. It's just going to be so good. And with four Blitzers, even if you've got a block guard piece and then you're going to dodge in your second piece, it's just fucking great. There's four of them. I mean, what's not to like? Yeah, I think that's the key thing is that you will probably naturally end up um, sending your blitzers in different directions. Um, you 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 can you know dodge is is probably a safe skill on all of them, but I would imagine that if you have one or two dodgers, you might take tackle um, so that you've got a hitter, uh, a more natural hitter piece, and then you know obviously you're always going to change your plans depending on whether on you hit doubles or setups or not, but but ultimately you're likely to end up having a blitzer that becomes more hitty and a blitzer that becomes um, either a kind of guard blodge all rounder or maybe even almost a ball carrier type. But basically, the minute that one of them has got blodge, they are a fantastic ball carrier, particularly at low TV, where so many teams struggle to knock 
lodgers over. Um, so I think Dodge is the safe first choice on your very first blitzer. After that, I would I would quickly start thinking about having a tackler because there's a lot of Dodge around. I mean, I would almost ball. say I would um, almost say tackle. It depends on your league, but like I and and yes, interestingly yeah. about leagues is that often you know roughly who your next player is going to be or who's coming up, and like Lodge is brilliant, but if you're you know you're going to be playing undead in the next league or two. You take tackle very, very quickly. And whilst Blodge is good, if you've done what we've told you to and taken two re-rolls, Blodge is fucking brilliant, but you're still going to need that tackle because you, otherwise you're going to need a six to get that ghoul down. And tackle's just fucking cool. Um, so I think that tackle is one of the very early skills on a blitz. So probably not the first. It, I mean, it depends if your next very next game is... You know it's going to be undead, or you know it's going to be uh, wood elves, or something that's going to have a blodger. You might take tackle, but your first one or two skills will be dodge, and then into tackle or sidestep, depending on your league. But tackles very early on in your development. Yeah, it's just a fact of life that if you play bubble, you're going to play stunties. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, no, surely they it's are... wrong. <laughs> They are super annoying at TV. Um, they will frustrate you massively um, on, on Defender Stumbles results. So tackle is pretty much mandatory as an early skill if you want to be able to um, to take them down. I mean, interestingly, Stunties is one of those really annoying teams for Dark Elves because they're not like Dwarfs or Chorfs or, you know, um, very high strength like your orcs or things like that where they can get three dice on the on the stunties they're a bit bloody mm. annoying you've got block and you've got those four hopefully four blokes who can do the block down but they can be really annoying but actually i've played stunty teams without tackle and you've only got the block and it's bloody annoying getting that tackle the one player who can three dice tackle the stunty a turn and you can remove them and win and actually if you don't have it you could lose and and dark elves play the statistics so you've got to really look at your league and play the statistics. Yeah, it's totally meta-dependent, definitely, definitely. But I think at the end of the day, you're always going to end up with a tackle blitzer at some point because kind of as, as you talked about earlier um, in relation to why I think guard is important is you've got to remember that your opponents in any league are going to develop. They are also going to be taking the core skills and any elf teams out there will be taking dodge on a whole bunch of players and you don't want to face them down the line without the ability to knock them over or they will run rings around a blitz, you. So, a blitz with you know. tackle just fucks a dark elf, uh, um, wood elf team, sorry, if you're a dark elf team, because you, you just keep them in the backfield. The the catchers or the war dancers come in, you've got one elf there who can tackle them, they fuck them, five plus, they've got them down. That's it. Or plus yeah. if they're a catcher, they're not a block. It's the same thing I was saying earlier about is you only need to have that one guy to make the blitz every turn. So, you know, yeah, that's um, why I take the mighty blow on the blitzer they... first up. That's what we've discussed. Mighty blow. The one guy to make the blitz is just really handy. Mm -hmm. but, and, and that's the knife edge between guard and mighty blow, as we've discussed. Yeah, yeah, don't disagree there at all. So we've discussed the line elves, the witch elves, and the blitzers. Let's come into the, the sort of two... You know, not more fun players, you'd say, but the ones that I've, I definitely use the first one. The first one is runners. Runners are pretty 
tricky players. They're, they're not ones you take as a... And I will say again, listeners, Dark Elves are a um, basic play-the-averages team, and runners don't do that. But runners give you the option to do tricks and have a bit more fun with Elves, as you might do. They have versatility, a bit of flair. Um, they're probably two builds still. Um, there's like a passer and like an outlet build. Um, passers, I would say, look at your kind of lodging, sort of dodge out of the bat, pass and accurate kind of things, strong arm on a on a double. Um, and then your outlets are straight up dodge. You want to you want to get out of jail free. Nerves of steel because you can you can pass if you've been based. Um, catch, pass, block, and block are all great for lots all of them. So two two runner options. Um, with me before you jump in full i'm sure you're going to tear them to shreds um agility five on a runner is amazing um but i tend to take one because they're like a faster lineman who you don't want to base is what i tend to do uh i i'm not going to disagree with you at all actually um Tom. Um, oh my god not, shock shock <laughs> not, not least because i wouldn't normally be making a decision about what skill to give a runner because they wouldn't have one. But um, actually, weird thing is, is looking on Fumble, they have a page, you know, with suggested uh, skill choices to help people um, exactly do the kind of thing that we're talking about. They suggest that your first normal skill should always be nerves of steel. I would personally always take dodge as a first skill. Yeah, um, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, anything to keep them alive is amazing. Yeah, and like you often move. get a discussion. Movement and aliveness is amazing. Yeah, you often uh, get a discussion with ghouls about um, skill choices. You know, block versus sure hands versus whatever utility skill you might. And people will often say like, you don't need X or Y skill because if they're your ball carrier, they shouldn't be getting hit. Ever. And I think to a certain extent that argument applies to the runner. And actually, one of the reasons why I don't think the dump off is that great on the runner because if you're playing well your runner won't be getting hit you'll never ever ever use dump off so it doesn't matter and taking the to steal to make dump off even better is even more of a waste of time so uh, but dodge is um is a useful skill to get out of trouble to save you from being knocked over should you get hit <laughs> um I mean, you're talking about the passing build. Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, it's pretty obvious what the skills are if you want to turn your runner into a passer. I wouldn't do it, but, you know, it's pretty obvious what you need to take. I do think um, sure hands is a totally valid skill uh, for a runner. If you're going to run a runner, he's going to be your ball carrier. He's going to be making pickup rolls. Yeah, you haven't got a lot of re-rolls for a starting team. Sure hands, good choice. Dodge sure hands would probably be my my starting skills for a, for a runner. But that's the thing with a runner, isn't it? If you're you're saying your runner's going to be a, a like starting ball carrier, he's movement seven and got dump off. You're picking between a blitzer and a runner. He's got block, but the blitzer's got block, mm. and and that's the problem. Like I don't and and people have talked about me. You've got. So I've had this discussion with um, orc players about the um, the orc thrower against blitzers, and I genuinely feel like you've got fucking four strength four black orcs, and you've got four you know, strength three block blitzers, and one of them should be carrying the ball, and there's a big disagreement with saying, oh, one of them can't carry the ball. And if I was an orc player, and we'll 
do this in another podcast, I would take the Blitzer as the carrier, and I think it's the same, genuinely, one is the runner, but it's the same in the Dark Elves. You take the Blitzer as, as the ball carrier, because he's move seven, you've got three other block move seven pieces, and you've got all these armor eight linemen to, to block the ball, and if you want to have fun, yeah. you're going to take a Witch Elf to do some shit. Like, like if I'm going to take the four Blitzers and the runner, even then, I might not carry with the runner. Like, the runner's there to skill up and do some things, but the blitzer might still be the guy who carries because he's got block. And straight out of the bat, until mm. the runner's got block or dodge and something to protect him, you want to have your ball carry with a protecting skill, and the runner does not have that and cannot pass it. He can dump off. Great, on a 3+. plus. I mean, that's a thing. <laughs> but, but it's it's not a thing that the Dark Elves do well. I'm in agreement. Wow, Phil, you've agreed with me on the same... I've kind of pigeonholed you into agreement. It's been great. It's, it's been really know, you, you need to change your, you know, you need to change your default position. <laughs> I, I, my default position is agreeing with you. <laughs> well, we do have one more positional, Phil, before we go into <laughs> tournament bills after this. Um, assassins, and I'm going to speak first because it's the Talk Nuffle podcast and I get to speak first because, you know, Phil's some old cunt who we've just got on to chat shit, but that's fine. <laughs> um, so Assassins, I mean, they improve pretty slowly. Um, they're, they're, they're slow out of the box. Like I've said, they're movement six, which I think is shit. Um, and, you know, GMO can improve it, but they've got to nerf other things in the Dark Hub roster. They improve slowly. Uh, they get good really, really quickly. Because if they get those um, SPP quickly, they can get dodge, they can get block, they can get those things that make them good. Um, they actually fill, weirdly, as we've talked about Witch Elves so extensively, they fill quite similar roles as the Witch Elves. They're cage breakers. Um, they can get dodge, they can get leap, things like that. Um, they can get pass block, dodge, sidestep, block, jump up, but the witches come with those. So they can get all these things that make them really cool. Um, but of course, doubles gets them the multiple block, which is super cool. So to sum up, Phil, before you wade in, Assassin's cool, but require a lot to get them going. And the thing about Dark Elves is that they're so good that you can take cool options to get them going if you want. That's what I would say. Yeah, I, I think with assassins the dream is is multi-block on a double like that. Just you're taking an assassin because it's fun rather than because it's optimal. Multi-block makes them uh, twice as much fun. Uh, and their other skill choices, what, what are you going to do with them? They they exist to stab low AD players and to mark um, players that want to try and get the ball, carry the ball, or or, or move around the pitch. Probably that, move six. I mean, there. if they move seven or eight, they're going to fucking get away anyway. So that's that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? If they move seven, so, you know, good. I think uh, diving tackle is actually a really good option. Um, dodge is probably the first skill I'd pick. little bit of RL interruption there, Tom. That's my brother, who is just asking for his hoodie. But he's, he's back in now, Phil. Thank you. Is I'm not going to cut that, because I don't care. But carry on. 
Is he is he calm? Is he alright? Is he? He's he's alive. Yeah, he's out. he's alive. Yeah, he's surviving. He he doesn't like Blood Bowl, but um, you know, uh, he's alive. Not everyone can be perfect, Tom. Um, yeah, I I don't think there's a lot of great skills for them. Basically, multi-block, dodge as a defensive skill, diving tackle is is good as an annoyance skill, and they're an annoyance piece. So that would be my my suggestions. That's fair enough. So before we we're going to go into tournament builds in a minute, but just like general dark elf strategy, I mean, there's sort of four themes that I would go for with a general dark elf strategy. I mean, they move very wistfully, like they're they're not fragile, but they're not ch tough or cheap either. They they don't get mobbed by bash teams because they got that armor eight. They can really stand up to that. But against lighter lighter enemies, they're they're just you know they can beat up on them. They they can deal with breakaways. They're subject to sudden reversals. Like they've got that movement to move around. Um, just basically, if you're a dark elf player, keep your eyes open. Like they can really take advantage of stuff, and uh, be ready for whatever your opponent gives you. Like they're really solid and can move, but they're not suitable. They're not like immediately movable, but they can respond to stuff. And they can really sting like fuck. Like, they can't win every battle, like against Orcs and Kemri and shit like that. But um, they don't have the firepower to go straight up against those guys. But they can attack at every one point. So, like you were saying, Phil, if they get the guard, they can really man up on that point and really go to town mm -hmm. on it. Um, and can even rival the Wood Elves with, like, making their own luck. Like, they can really, with a bit of support, they can really get the guard in there make their own luck, and the best time to crack a cage is before it forms. So that's what I was saying about the kick. Like, if you can get in there before the cage forms, you can really, like, fuck them up. They can also, like, one of the biggest things they can do is manage the pitch because of the guard, the armor rate, the block. Space and positioning is one of the most important elements of the Blood Bowl, of Blood Bowl, basically, and Dark Elves can do it. Um, it takes, you know, most players need to get skills to do that and patterns to do it. But Dark Elves have a lot of potential in the sort of getting that straight out of the bat and, and can just destroy the mistakes. Like if opponents make mistakes, they can do it. Um, and what kind of team manages that kind of play? Like you can just like destroy it straight away. And they can really manage the clock as well. Like if you want to score or you don't want to score, Dark Elves can either run the play or pass the play. Most elves have to get into a position where their opponents are just destroying them and they have to score. Mm. Dark elves can manage the clock. They can either retain the ball and run it like a human, orc, norse, those kinds of teams, or they can fucking chuck it up the park like a union and skaven or a wood elf team if they need to. But they, but where's what's different is they've got the armor the armor to support that and to really you know manage that in a way that is beneficial to them like it tom yeah would agree with all of that yeah i think they that, that they do have the, a greater reactive capability we talked about them being maybe the, the supreme defensive team in the game they they are a fantastic team as you said to take advantage of other teams mistakes or missteps um, they are 
as we've said many, many times here, they're very consistent and, and that's a way that you can play to their strengths, uh, waiting for your opponent's mistakes and pouncing on them. Um, and they they can apply pressure in a in a safer way than other elf teams because of the AVA. You know, they, they can base up, um, they can make an opponent roll dice, um, and that's and that gives them a bit more of a that hybrid capability as you as you said a couple of times there, Tom, where they can feel like a, a non-elf team, and I think that's definitely one of their strengths. So yeah, they have that kind of slightly bashy, uh, pitch controlly type play, and they are, uh, and that makes them quite distinct in terms of uh, in terms of AG4 teams in in Blood Bowl. Yeah, I mean, and and just to finish off on the kind of league position. They can actually really compete at the high level kind of league values, I would say. Um, oh, most yeah. elf oh, teams yeah. get destroyed. You often see them with your kind of multiple um, loner journeyman line elves and dark elves have got that armor value eight. They can, they can survive that, but they also have those four blitzers, the two witch elves, who really fucking go toe to toe with your claw palm, your you know dwarf guard bullshit level high level teams, and dark elves can read it. Just supports an insane an insane team value. It takes a very long time to build, and it's difficult to maintain. Um, but but you know they they can get the four blitzers, the two assassins, the two dark elves, and even the two assassins are going to do damage at that high level. I mean, Dark Elves at the high level are only going to have four line elves. Some will die, but but you know, but but they're going to be ridiculous, as we talked about Elijah Doom. They can really get to a good level, and probably eventually replaced by like assassins or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, the Claw Pom teams are going to hit Armor Value Eight almost the same as Armor Value Seven, and the Dark Elves are like a bash AG team. And you find the High Elves, Skaven, Union, um, trying to think of other agility teams, just get destroyed by you know, if you play in the um, the high level um, leagues. They just really get hurt, and Dark Elves can actually go toe to toe on averages. Yeah, they're definitely one of the very best high TV, best at getting to high TV, best at staying at high TV. Um, the, the natural inclination to basically end up with your whole team being bludgers. Um, it, it's, just, it's just perfect for that kind of environment for Dark Elves. And they have, they're one of the best teams for the versatility and the ability to take advantage of getting stat ups on any, on any players. And if you play in perpetual leagues, you will naturally play in an environment where there's a lot more stat ups around. Um, and Dark Elves are fantastic for that because any player can go in any different yeah. direction, you know, depending on on, on what stat up they get. So they, their versatility and just the sheer base goodness of them, um, and their resilience, they are definitely one of the the very best high TV uh, teams in in the game. I mean, that's that kind of rounds up this league element of the podcast, where they're just. They're just one of the very best all-round teams where they can play. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if I was going to suggest to a new player to play Bubble, if you really, really, really want to play agility, play Dark Elves because you can do some agility shit. 
but you're tough enough to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the bash stuff. If you really, really, really want to do bash stuff, play Orcs, because they're really good at the bash shit, but they can do some agility stuff. And those are the two teams. And, you know, people try and play humans, they try and play stuff like that, I think, is average. And it's just not humans are one of the very difficult teams to play. And I would go for Dark Elves as the best agility team and Orcs as the best bash team, because they can both do the other well enough to compete. I like that suggestion very much. Yeah, I, th I and I agree with you. I think actually the, some of the hybrid teams can be quite confusing uh, for for new players, and they're quite difficult to work out how to play a hybrid game style that needs to shift depending on what your opponent does. Uh, when you're playing as a team like uh, Orcs or Dark Elves, you you pretty much play the same way uh, regardless, and they are both good introductions to those styles of play i would definitely agree and and kind of forgiving as you as you alluded to there yeah um i would very much agree with that tom thank you very much phil so if you were going to take a dark elf team and go for an agility team but bashers you know people like in the dbl john foster has has realized dark elves are a cool agility team to take take four blitzes and either a load alignment or maybe a runner and two re-rolls and you'll have some fun with an agility team. That's what I would say out of the league segment. Uh, in a minute, listeners, we're going to come back and talk about the fucking, you know, cutthroat, dickhead, cuntish tournament builds. Um, and Phil's smiling at me now, and we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Tournament Podcast and the Tournament segment of this podcast, where we are talking about Dark Elves in a tournament setting, often maligned, often they try to drive us down and make us not worthwhile, but you know, Dark Elves still come through, don't they, Phil? They do, and... Uh... They are normally, or in fact, always a tier one team, uh, <laughs> and they are a tier one team for, for a good reason because they're very, very good. Um, they what that means is they don't have a lot of skills to play with. Um, so um, the number of builds that they have available, uh, and, and also cash tends to not be available to them. So they probably don't have a huge range of builds, but I think we're going to look at two or three that are definitely viable and fun for tourney play. I mean. Often they have the straight up four block, four movement seven dudes that are just like you would almost take as a skill package anyway, but they just get as a standard roster. Would you agree? The four blitzers? So I would not agree in this. Rarely I would not agree with you in this one. I, th I think the vanilla uh, 1.1 resurrection tawny package for Dark Elves is probably three blitzers and two witch elves um that you round that out with five linos a runner um because as discussed earlier runners access to leader is a uniquely helpful thing for resurrection tourneys um two rerolls 
and an Apo. And that's actually the build which Joe Manji recommends in the Spike magazine that we are uh, talking about. Uh, now, obviously, the skills that you add to that are, are, are up to you. Uh, personally, I like double wrestle witches, but a wrestle witch, block witch, block witch. Uh, I would probably also just keep it simple and go uh, either two or three dodge on the blitzers, but probably actually swap one of those for a, a tackler, as previously discussed, tackle very, very useful. But yeah, I think what you would tend to do, and, and because it just works for the money, and obviously one of the key things with resurrection tourneys is trying to get every every ounce of value out of that 1.1 mil that they give you to buy your team um, is is three blitzers and two um, witches. Now, the interesting thing about that build actually is having the Apo. Um, the fact that you can get effectively uh, use one of your your skills to take um, leader on a on a runner uh, just frees up money that you can then use to drop a reroll and buy the apo instead. And apo is uh, a debatable thing for a lot of people in resurrection tourneys, but um, the ability when you've only got eleven players, the ability to save one of them from an early KO, the the power apo as it's sometimes called by people. Um, is really, really invaluable. Um, now, obviously, every tourney is different. Some tier ones um, will get different numbers of skills. You might even find you've got as few as four skills in tier one, at which point you have to make some really, really tough decisions with that build about exactly what you'd give out. Um, but as you have alluded to many, many times, the fact that Dark Elves start with such great skills on the positionals is one of the reasons why Dark Elves are still able to thrive in that kind of limited skill tier environment because with this build that we're looking at, you're starting with three block and two dodge, which is really, really good in, in res tourneys when you uh, sprinkle a couple of other skills on top. So I, I perceive that to be the vanilla. So even if you're taking two normal, um, four normal skills, which is the normal Dark Elf build, you get you know your block on one of the witches, your wrestle on the other, uh, probably a couple of dodge on your blitzers. So you got two blodgers, um, a, a wrestle and a blodge witch um, straight out of the bat. I've seen quite often. Right. I've actually seen quite often four blodge blitzers straight out of the bat and two witches. That's quite a common build, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't know quite how you fit all of that in. Well, let me just say, we're going to look at the build in a minute in which you can have all of those things. Um, what you have to sacrifice yeah. is re-rolls normally. So re-rolls and the apo is what you would lose. So uh, to look at the other build is, yeah, you could have four blitzers, two witches, three linos. Now, this is a slightly more interesting build. The runner mm. and the assassin and two linos. Um, when it was uh, earlier in the year and it was pre the NAF World Cup, um, Fumble ran a uh, online tourney and I was talking to one of the very good French players who was playing in that and he said that he believed that um, Assassin was absolutely essential in an 1100 um, Dark Elf team for res tourneys and I think the, the, the thinking behind that was, um, was what some Sometimes you often get in rest tourneys the idea of bringing some kind of a toolkit. So because skills are in such limited supply, um, if you, you need something to answer every kind of problem that you could possibly face. Uh, and taking the assassin 
gives you another thing that can deal with um, Stunty's AD7, as, as we discussed earlier in this uh, in this podcast, Tom. Um, but also in in terms of this actual build, it just works very well for the money. Um, so yeah, again, it's eleven players. It's only two rerolls, but you can get all four blitzers, both witch elves, uh, and you're getting a runner and an assassin. Um, so this is a build that potentially can, you know, do everything. Uh, absolutely fantastic positionals, but you're down to the bare minimum in terms of eleven players, no apo, and uh, only two rerolls, unless you drop leader on the runner. Uh, again, if you use one of your skills for that. This is still a three reroll build. I think this is actually really, what, really good. What it's skills would you be taking on your blitzers? You've got four, four normals probably. You dodge straight <laughs> so, up, tack, maybe one tackle. Yeah. The problem with this uh, build, obviously, is lack of the ball getting skill. Uh, if you need to use, yeah, and if you need to use leader uh, um, to make up for your lack of rerolls, you're you're limited. Um, and if you want to skill the witches, you might only be left with two skills to put amongst those four blitzers. So it becomes quite problematic in terms of what you can actually put on those. Uh, the ideal, obviously, would be to have everyone be a blodger and maybe one be a tackler, but you're just not going to have enough skills to do that. So you have to make some tough calls about who gets the skills there. You either don't skill the witches or you don't skill the blitzers. But someone is going to have it's to funny lose though, isn't it? Talking about dark elves, they're all so good out of the blocks that you can almost not take any skills and they're still really good. So people panic about what skills they can take. But, you know, I can take a couple on some players and they're all really good. That's that's one of the problems with Dark Elves for us mere mortals. I think we said at the top of this podcast, Tom, it doesn't matter how you build this fucking team. It's easy mode. They do everything. Why are we even having this thing? Well... The build I would take for 1.1, I'm sure you're dying to hear, Phil, is um, yeah, is 1.1 mil, uh, no rerolls. Why would you take a reroll? Rerolls are for for the peasants. Um, I'm going to take two blitzers. I'm going to take one runner, so that's three players. I'm going to take eight line elves, so that's eleven players overall, because a lot of um, uh, tournament builds require you to take 11 before you can take a star player, um, which is annoying. You know, some people do that, but that's annoying. So I've got my two blitzers and my one runner and my eight awesome line elves who are still agility four, strength three, movement six, AV8, which is great. And then I'm going to take Hubris Rakar, who... As we've already said in the tournament build section, Phil, does it all. He hasn't got dodge, but we already said he's got your mighty blade. He's got your strip ball, your block, and your strength four. So you've effectively got three blitzers, one of them who's a lot better than the other blitzers. So you've got four skills. Your runner's taken leader because you need one reroll. So I'm, I'm going to take the one reroll on the runner. I've got two other skills, so both my blitzers are probably blodging, I would suggest. And they've got one other skill, he's probably dodge or block on alignment. Uh, no rerolls, but you got your one from your leader. Still a very competitive build, and Hubris is just going to fuck your opponent up, because he's not going to know what to do. He's got a strength for elf with all these agility for elves out there. 
is not as reliable as a build, I would say, as Phil's. Phil's is very much the dark elf, vanilla, reliable build. And let's say straight off the bat, listeners, dark elves are about reliability. That's what dark elves are really, really good at. But my build kind of brings that reliability and then takes it to the next level and adds a bit of shitstorm into it and makes you go, oh shit, I'm playing Dark Elves, but I've got hubris in here as well. What do I do? Um, and that, that's what my build will bring. And, and actually, if I was going to take this to a 1.2 mil build, I'd have another 100 mil to play with. I get both other blitzers in there, maybe a witch elf. Like That's when the build with hubris really, really comes to life. And you can play Dark Elves with one reroll or none with the runner and take a reroll and they'll be really fucking good. That's what Dark Elves bring to you. Yes, I would suggest that's for advanced players. <laughs> what, uh, you're saying I'm an advanced player, Phil? <laughs> fucking hell, this is a, this is a bit extreme. Uh, you're going to advance something. <laughs> um, it's... Uh... I, th I think, and, and actually, in terms of that build, I mean, you could slot um, Roxana in instead of uh, Hubris. Very, very similar. I agree. It, it probably works really, really well if you get up to like 1250. It, it gives Dark Elves a little bit of an extra dimension that they don't have, and, and that can be um, that can be game changing. Totally. It's that, that's exactly why uh, the likes of Roxy changes Amazons in in Res Tawny builds. You know, it's. It's that ability to have someone that can flip the game or do something completely unexpected or unstoppable. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm sure that that definitely would be both fun and also still effective. Tom. Yep, sounds good. <laughs> I'm astonished. I mean, that's the thing about Dark Elves. They're so good at a 1.1. And I will just stress this again. Dark Elves are what they're good at being is the reliable non-bullshit and trying you know what people would say funky cuntish bullshitty elfish nonsense dark elves do not do that well they can do that because they're elves and you know dark elves union i'll do that well dark elves can still fucking do that and that's why they're so they're so good but what they do compared to other elves is they do that but reliably so they can take that back one level and just do reliable, really good, averagey shit that you would expect from a Blood Bowl team without breaking sweat. And that's why Dark Elves are so good. You take your High Elves and they're good at passing. You take your Wood Elves and they're good at, you know, busting the ball. You take your Union and they're good at sort of sidestepping and catching the ball in long distances and that sort of thing. And Dark Elves can kind of do it all well, but they do the normal, you know, human, orcish, averagey running stuff really, really, really well because of that armor value eight, and they can still pick up, catch on a two, and move around like well. Agree, Phil? Yeah, totally. I think that that's that's really the perfect summary of them. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, it's good that we started our first race review on kind of what I would say is a these guys fucking do everything well bullshit level. 
Um, I mean, would you ever take a star to a tournament, Phil, for a bit of fun, or are you, do you think you take the the average dark elf build that you've already mentioned? Um, I I think uh, actually uh, something that I mentioned earlier on uh, in our chat um, that I have looked at is trying to find a way to get Elijah Doom. The in lineman of doom. Um, because he's not. Yeah, because he's he's not that much more than a witch elf yeah. or blitzer and um he brings some quite unique stuff to the table guard being the main one but 89 also being quite important um so when you have kind of cash rich tournies the 1200 plus uh ones which seem to be more frequent these days you know, from what i'm seeing um i would definitely take a star um and um yeah, I'd highly also be tempted by a Roxana build. Um, she's she's just incredible um, in in terms of doing something which no one else can do. Um, AG five leaping frenziers are you know like the cat's whiskers as far as that kind of thing is concerned. So I, yeah, the day will come when I definitely take a, a star. Hey. For a, to a dark elf I played you <laughs> in a tournament where you took Wilhelm Cherny, but that was in the vampire build, and that, you, you've taken stars, Phil. So that's good. Yeah. So your picks. I, I, I would say, you know, no, I would say that the, a Roxyora or a Hubris Rakoff is is doing for a team what Wilhelm mm -hmm. Cherny does for vampires, which is trying to give them a different dimension. Exactly, exactly what I was saying about Roxy for, for Amazons. You know, if you have a team with limited mobility and you can get a star that's got movement eight, that gives you the ability to do something that your team simply would be unable to do. It gives your team a kind of range and a threat. And so I think um, for a lot of teams have got access to stars that enable them to change it up a little bit. And uh, that is very powerful. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely not averse to it at all, mate. I love stars. I, I, love stars. I mean, and, and I think we'll finish on that, Phil, is that in in a weird kind of way some teams need stars to become closer to tier two or tier one and dark elves whilst it's fun just don't fucking need it they're already tier one with a plum they're so good and the reason they're so good is because they're reliable and elijah team's great elijah doom is great he brings he's you know any there have been 80k more than a witch elf, and he brings the wrestle, he brings the ball popping stuff, and he importantly brings guard, which is he's one of the only players in any of the elf teams that brings guard. So in a weird kind of way, he's one of the ones we'd recommend highest. But Roxana, while she's awesome, brings so much to the Amazon team. But Dark Elves are already there. They're already tier one. They're already winning games. Why would you bring stars? Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. I mean, this has been our first race review of the Dark Elves, and I'm sure you, as you've got listeners, Dark Elves do it all. They bash, they edge, they stab, they dodge, and you know, with a star they leap. I mean, they fucking do everything, don't they, Phil? I do, and I think you you made a very important point, which is you know this is the first one of these that you're you're doing on your podcast. You are going to come and talk about a lot of races that have gigantic holes in their ability to do things on the blood bowl pitch, 
you've started with a team that doesn't have any holds. Uh, and um, yeah, the, your future discussions are going to be looking a lot more at weaknesses than we Absolutely. probably have today. Unfortunately, Phil has all of the holes. So um, he's a great person <laughs> to get on first. Uh, thank you, Phil, for coming on. And um, we'll speak to you soon. My absolute pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so much, Tom. Bye-bye. No, I turned wrong. Left your heart's own. Is that what devils do? Took it so long. Where only fools go. I shook the angel and young. Now I'm rising from...